All right, Teaser Abizero, we're getting ready to record. Good evening, bro. How you doing? Yes. Good evening, Junkie. Hey, hey. So um, we're going to have a guest on the show. Um, like, how should I start it off? Like, hey, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Yeah, like that. Like, I don't know. Should I just, should I be dumb? Should I, should I be, I don't know, silly? Like, should I be, uh, try to be like cool? Yeah. Be real stupid. Yeah, like just all, oh, everybody, come on, welcome to the show. <laughs> Junkie, we are recording. The mics are on. Moto One Podcast Network. You're listening to Creative Writing, the motorcycle podcast that's like riding through the rain in wool pants and only wool pants. We're brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. For more information, head over to patreon.com forward slash creative writing. We don't know why they support us, but you should. Now, to your regularly scheduled show. And don't turn it off this time. Don't. Just stop. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is your host, Junkie Toidman. Junkie Toidman, see? Uh, stick around. We're going to have a guest on this week's show. Also, a brief announcement. Weekly Wiggins is now coming to you live everywhere where podcasts are available every day of the week. Why every day of the week? Because it's a podcast and you can listen as much as you want or as little as you want. Don't even subscribe. Uh, actually, scratch that. Go subscribe right now. Weekly Wiggins, everywhere you get your fine podcasts. Probably where you get your stupid ties. All right. Bye. Hey, creative writing listeners, this is Moto G. Pete from the NoCo Moto Podcast, the best motorcycle podcast that you've never heard. Why haven't you heard of us? I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think the Clobman Pickle Corporation has been paying iTunes to repress any other motorcycle pickle-related content. And, like, our theme song barely even mentions pickles, but whatever. Just give us a listen. everybody welcome back to creative writing lame intro aside uh on this week's episode we have a guest with us in the i would say in the studio but obviously right now the studio is closed to just me and tobor um and so uh, on the phone we have a guest um her name is kate hello kate how are you (laughs) hi guys so yeah what do you where are you coming to us from and what do you do um, well, I, uh, I live in Costa Mesa, California. Um, I, in real life, I'm a hairdresser, but, um, I guess, uh, what a lot of people on Instagram see is a lot of my work, um, just with motorcycles. Usually I'm on the event side. Um, so I do freelance event coordination, uh, typically for, uh, adventure, actually adventure rallies. Um, the last wow. year or two I worked, on a couple really cool events, um, involving, you know, the typical rally style and, uh, scavenger hunts and all sorts of different, like fun activities. Um, 
So that's, that's kind of why you see me out and about and around on all these different bikes and doing all these things. It's because I'm typically trying to herd cats and, you know, make events run smoothly, um, as smooth, as smooth as they can be, uh, I should say, uh, cause if it's running smooth, something's about to go wrong. Right. <laughs> right. That's a good uh, analogy. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so I, you know, a better question actually, I guess would be what don't you do? Right. Because there's so many, so many different things that, um, you seem to be juggling right now. And, and uh, you know, being a hairstylist is one thing, being a, a motorcycle events organizer, totally different ball of yarn. So, um, is there anything that you're not good at? Is there anything right now that you, you think you couldn't take on and, and just, uh, a tackle? Uh, my taxes probably. Yeah. That yeah. category of, I would ra- much rather just pay someone else. But, um, there, there's a lot of things that I've come up against where it's like, I don't know, am I willing to learn how to do that? Is that something I want to add to? Um, but I guess the motorcycle answer answer there would be, I, gosh, um, I don't do a whole lot of like track riding. I'm not good mm-hmm. at leaning things over in corner. Mm-hmm. I, I totally choke. So like, but that just tells me I need to put it on my list and I need to go take some classes and learn how to do it. Um, which is right. typically my, usually that's my kind of solution for everything. If I don't know how to do something, I'm going to make it my business to figure out, can I do this? Is it, you know, going to be fun and will it be worth it? Am I going to crash my bike? Will it still be worth it anyways? Like, yeah, that's, I feel like that's a pretty good, pretty good roundabout. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like that answer. Will I crash my bike and will it be worth it anyways? Cause that's a risk. A lot of people aren't willing to take. If I'm going to crash my bike or get hurt, I don't want to do it. So man, I love this gung ho attitude. Um, and actually I think next week on the show, our good friend, um, Brady Walker might be checking in with us and he actually runs a, um, they call them classic track days, but it's really for like new riders and anybody on a bike that's not typically, you know, like a sport bike that's going to go out to like, you know, with track days or track assassins or any of those guys. Um, why don't you give us the shakedown on what you are currently riding or what you, um, what you have owned and what you currently own? Oh, sure. Um, so my main squeeze is a 2019 Moto Guzzi V7 Rough. Um, I'm pretty obsessed with it. I, I think I bought it specifically on and picked it up on January 1st, 2019, mostly mm-hmm. because I love uh, keeping score, again, usually against myself. Um, so January 1st was a great time to start a brand new you know, odometer and see how many miles I could put on for the year. So um, mm-hmm. I did not make it to my goal for 2020. So that's, that's fine. I think I can remedy it next year. I've got a, a big trip in the works. Um, but that's, that's normally what I'm on if I'm any more than maybe like five or 10 miles from my house. Um, if I'm sticking around close, like running, you know, to the grocery store or down to work or something like that. Um, I've been taking my, I have a 2021 TW 200, um, Mm -hmm. which is, I, I have been chasing that bike down for over a year. Um, I think I saw it at the IMS show about a year and change ago and was just absolutely just smitten. Um, Mm -hmm. So I finally tracked one down in September. I overpaid for it. Um, I spent the last, this past weekend actually uh, taking it out on some actual trails. 
um, and getting, getting some dirt skills under my belt. Um, nice. God, that's so nice. That's awesome to hear that you're using the T-dub, how they were intended to be, uh, used, you know? Exactly. And I had a lot of people talk, try and talk me out of that bike. Um, not exactly sure why, maybe it wasn't the right bike for them, but, uh, the second I got on that thing and even just taking a couple laps up at like a little practice lot that we ha- uh, know about down here in Southern California, I could just fucking tell it was the right one. Like it was so easy, so comfortable. I felt really comfortable on it. Um, things that were previously really hard for me on a regular dirt bike were coming natural to me on this one. So I feel like I definitely got that reassurance that this is the correct bike. It's, I have no intention to do any sort of like huge overland off-road trips or races or anything like that. I just wanted to build some skills. Um, and I think this is absolutely the perfect platform to do that on. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I love, I actually love, um, those little T dubs. They, I own two Yamahas. Um, and yeah, my first bike when I was first got into riding was, a um, an XR 250 and I'm not like the tallest person in the world. And even, even that, like you think a 250 is like, yeah, like a small 250. Uh, uh-uh. uh, like, I would probably need a step ladder if if I got on like one of the old 500s from back in like like one of those big old Honda 500s like 250 um and 450 dirt bikes they're not they're not tiny you know what I'm saying and so yeah this T dubs are so bitchin I knew, uh I got to tell you uh I knew it was a two uh, 2021 because that color you know that's like the only color the newest color they've had in about three years or four years um, before that they were beige for like. A, a good three or four year run, but that motorcycle has been around almost, almost unchanged, uh, in this version since 2000, believe it or not, it's a 21 year old bike this year. Yeah. Um, still, uh, I think the the biggest change was uh, going to fuel injection or something like that, but otherwise you can almost buy the same, uh, front fender or like little, you know, headlight cowl or whatever, all the way back to 2000. And I know before that it went to, um, I think the TW, 200 has been around since I want to say like the mid nineties or something like that. So for a good like decade before that, I think it might be about 87. Cause I remember looking oh, maybe. It up or maybe someone told me about it and I was thinking, wow, it's just older than I am. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That seemed pretty, I don't know. That was significant at the time. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's why I love that bike so much. I I actually started on vintage bikes and I loved that I could easily access all of the information to work on them myself. Um, and so getting this 2021, it's obviously brand spanking new, but I can still access all of those things. And back then motorcycles were made for the user themselves to be working on them. Um, I mean, obviously dirt bikes still, you know, exist in that capacity and with the way people ride them now, uh, you're expected to do, you know, oil changes and clean out your air filter and do all that kind of stuff (laughs) in between sometimes. Um, so that was definitely appealing to me that I could not only find probably 20 or 30 years of everyone figuring out the right ways to do everything, but that parts were always going to be available. Right. And that is such a cool little cult bike that I think, and and obviously they kept it around for so long. And I think you might be right. Maybe it does go back that uh, that far. And uh, to keep something around that long, I mean, not even Honda has kept the Rebel around that long without you know mm-hmm. upping upping it and changing it. So I mean, it's just a, a iconic little bike, and I love the fact that that was your choice. You weren't going out for like some Husky or some you know crazy 
dirt bike, like you said, you pick the the little T dub, which I think is pretty cool. I mean, I I really I'm just a Honda fan, regardless. But um, yeah, I'm really a big fan of of that bike in particular, just the way it looks and and how much fun. Um, it reminds me of like the van the van van or something like that. I just <laughs> love those old little crazy bikes. Uh, yeah, definitely. And I've ridden yeah. a van van, and it seemed just like everything on that bike is out of proportion. The tank's too small. The seat's too big. Too like, big. Yeah. Oh, it's so <laughs> right. weird looking and yeah. it's fun. Um, but the T-Dub is, it seems a little less stylish and a little bit more purpose-driven. Um, and I mean, I, I definitely, I already have a dent in my tank. I have so much mud stuck under the fender still. I've washed it three different times. Like it, <laughs> it didn't feel bad to let it get knocked over um, and to wipe out a couple times because that's what it's still made to do, you know? Right. Right. Um, and I think that sometimes some of those nicer, prettier bikes, I just feel so, I don't know, guilty putting them through mud and sand and, and this past weekend was snow. And I, I mean, I don't know. It, it seemed like, if you don't have a dent in your <laughs> TW tank, you don't have that like little badge of honor. Like, yeah, right. I use this for what it's made for, um, which is just tractoring up the weirdest little rockiest trails. I mean, it's not going to do a hill climb like a regular dirt bike. Well, um, but it'll definitely get you through some really cool stuff. So yeah. That's- and if you don't, if you don't have a dent on the tank, have you really ridden? Right. Exactly. I mean- <laughs> right. Exactly. That's cool. Yeah. No. And I love to hear that you are not, it's not, it's funny when I go, uh, up the trails around here, I live sort of by Angeles Crest and there's an off-road park not too far away in Azusa. And it's funny when you go over there and you see around town, you see these dudes driving in lifted trucks and like, you know, it's all, you know, not a scratch on it, but you go to up to Azusa and there's people like they'll roll it. And as long as it lands on two wheels, they'll take off again. And you're like, that's what this stuff is made for. It's not made to parade around the target parking lot. Right. So <laughs> that is awesome that, that you're taking that little thing and putting it through the ringer. Um, now, the other one I wanted to ask you about, because so first off, I love that you have a quote dirt bike that you're not, that's not a, you know, you're not trying to uh, be like Vicky Golden or Justin Barsha out there, like clearing the whoops and stuff. You got, you got a T-dub and you're just putting it through the ringer and enjoying it. Obviously, I don't think you rode it out to where you were at this last weekend. I don't, you no, know, I don't know if it's surprised uh... where you were. I bar- or I sorry, I rented a truck. Um, I don't actually don't own a vehicle. I haven't owned a vehicle in I don't know four or five years. Dang. Um, I know Just the bikes, huh? Southern California. I mean, mm-hmm. and I I definitely about every year I'm like, man, I should get another bike. Uh, right now I'm at four or five. I'm not sure which. Yeah, um, yeah. So I but recently I've definitely considered getting some something whether it's yeah. a Jeep that has like a hit track on the back or a truck. But in the meantime, uh, it's just cheaper to go rent a truck for a weekend, haul that little thing somewhere really cool. Um, and then be able to haul it back and not be exhausted after riding. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know I, I have a, uh, SR 250. It's a, it's a 1980. Um, it's older than dirt. I feel, I was like, Oh, it's only an 80. But the more I think about that, I'm like, wow, that's getting up there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they, I rode that over to Vegas one time and I had to basically draft like semis to get over there because the wind, you know, a 250 on the freeway all that way, you just get blown around and you can't go faster than like 70. And it's just like, yeah, I was drafting 
um, there was like a big street sweeper going down the freeway and I was drafting him. It looked funny, but I was like wrapped out trying to keep up with them, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so definitely, uh, trucking is the way to go. If you're going to go out and party out in the, out in the dirt. I, I've also ridden down to San Diego to do flat track a couple of times. Both times I did it, um, when I went and crashed actually, I bent the shifter. Um, it's just awesome falling over on the shifter side and just feeling it. You know, you look down and it's a freaking taco. It's pointing back toward the rear wheel. And I was like, oh shit. Well, now how do I get all the way back up to LA? <laughs> right. So yeah. get the rock out, bend it straight. Um, yeah. One time I bent it on my friend's pickup. You know, I just put it in like the the, the little uh, holes in the bed to put like the mm-hmm. steak, steak bids. I put it in there and bent it. But the other time I was out at Barona. Um, when I bent it and as I just found a rock and like smashed it back straight and put it back on and I was like, all right, well, that'll work. So I'll get home, I guess. And then I'll fix it when I get home. But yeah, you it having a truck and, and doing that definitely alleviates some of that. Um, oh, shit moment where it's like, oh, shit. Well, now I got to get back home like 200 miles. How am I going to do that with the <laughs> right? So I agree. Um, what now the other your other bike you mentioned too. Um, Typically, when you hear someone say they have an Italian bike, they're they're usually talking about a Ducati, at least here in in, in LA. Um, I'm kind of stoked that you said a Moto Guzzi, and then it's not like a Stelvio or it's not you know anything crazy like that. It's a. Did it's you say a, it was a V7 rough? Yes. Yeah, is that this? Does the rough like the Scrambler version or something? I mean, it's like Scrambler with air quotes. Um, there's really, it wasn't too different than some of the other, uh, V7 three models. They had a couple Mm. different ones where it was like different paint jobs or different trim. Um, this particular one, uh, man, it just kind of fell into my lap. I had, I already had a Moto Guzzi, uh, that I had ridden cross country on and I was working at a Moto Guzzi dealership and this bike just came in. It was like previously a demo bike. So it had a few, just a couple miles on it. Um, had the first service done and man, it was that kind of a price where you're just like very quickly checking your bank account. Like, can I make this happen? Um, so I wasn't really in the market for another one, but I kind of had this idea that, you know, I, I do put a lot of miles on these bikes. I do kind of put them through things that typical Moto Guzzi owners, um, or just typical, uh, modern classic owners don't do. So to suddenly have a blank slate in front of me that I can kind of kit out, uh, to be the, exactly the, you know, motorcycle tool that I need it to be. It, it was a really good opportunity. Um, yeah. but I, I remember, uh, initially looking for, cause I'd had, you know, the vintage bikes for a long time, um, hadn't really gotten a whole lot of miles on them. And then suddenly was looking for a bigger bike, um, and so I, I kind of played with the idea of like a CB 1100 or a triumph, um, Bonneville, mm-hmm. any triumph Bonneville, um, and landed on the Moto Guzzi only, only because it was such kind of like an uncommon, not exactly, you don't see a lot of them around. I, I'm, if you've ever been out in public with me, I can like hear them coming from a mile away. So yeah. I'll just be like out somewhere, you know, on a patio drinking a beer and be like, Oh, there's a Moto Guzzi and sure as shit. <laughs> there well, it goes. Hey, yeah. My, my friends have, uh, we were driving to Vegas once and like from, from afar coming on the other side of the highway, I just saw this like bike with this tiny little glint of red on, uh, the valve cover. And I was like, oh, that's a Moto Guzzi MG Flying Fortress. And all, 
but my friends did not fucking let it down all weekend. They're like, Oh, is that a fucking, you know, flying castle? And I'm like, stop, fucking stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Like I just, but I mean, they're so iconic and they're so unique looking. Um, I I was going to say, I I don't, I'm not bagging on your skills or anything, but I mean, those things, I I think a blind person could see those things uh, and recognize that they were, those things don't look like anything else. Right. But yeah, to spot it on the road, you know, that's pretty good. That's still pretty good. Yeah. Um, but it's, I I forget where this, uh, train of thought was going to, but just the fact that I, you know, I have this bike, it's, I have it set up as a touring bike. Um, because that's what I do with it primarily. Um, every summer I try and plan some, some long, usually complicated, convoluted trip to, you know, there's something going on in West Virginia. Let's go there. Um, and, or, you know, this past summer I, I made it all the way up to Maine. Um, Holy shit. And so I'll, I'll be out at these places, you know, with the thing all loaded up and all of the, packs and all that. And then the bungee net catching all the other extra snacks and garbage that I pick up along the way. And someone will be like, you rode that from California looking at my license plate. And it's like, yeah. And I'm writing it back there too. But right. I, did, I didn't ship it. Yeah. Oh, ship that's it. my favorite thing. Like, oh no, I had it airlifted just to yeah. right here. So you could ask me <laughs> that stupid question. Like, no. no dude, it's a Moto Guzzi, not a BMW. although i do get a lot of coffee on it but that's that's like my road trip formula you know i'll i'll roll into a campsite somewhere late not exactly know where you know i am in relation to anything in the morning get some good rest wake up in the morning and find the closest latte and then sit there and you know drink my coffee and plan where i'm going for the day um and there's a little bit of a ritual to it that i just adore it's so it's so nice to kind of sit with yourself and like have that moment before the chaos of like, get on the road, get on the highway. Am I going the right direction? You know, changing your playlist or charging your phone or whatever you're doing. It's like that little reset moment at the beginning of the day where you're just like, where do I want to go today? Right. Um, right. Um, so I, I do want to back up a little bit here because you've, you've unpacked a lot of stuff. We haven't even talked about what your very first bike was. I, we, we'll get back to that if I can remember to ask you that again. Um, so I got to know, well, first of all, um, props, I think we started that combo with, uh, props to not having a Ducati, right? So props to that. I don't, I don't know what, um, drew you to Moto Guzzi for whatever reason, but I'm proud of you that you don't have a, uh, when people hear Moto Guzzi, I don't know there, there is such a weird, um, I mean, if you go back to the vintage bikes and then if you look forward at like what they're doing now uh, and recently they've got a little bit more um, media attention, I want to say just recently, but then they've kind of faded again. It's just weird. They've never been a prominent brand, but they've always been there throughout the decades. Right. And so it's just one of those brands that just is there and the people that like them, like them. So I'm glad that you uh, aren't going for the like rock star Ducati. I just feel like that's such a LA bike. There's so many, I see so many freaking Ducatis around here. And, uh, I've only seen probably, um, when you see a Moto Guzzi, they just stick out obviously like literally the, you know, the cylinders stick out, but that makes the bike stick out. Right. And I, I could probably count on one hand, the Moto Guzzi's I've seen around in the last like two years. So, I mean, props for that first off, second off, um, I got to ask you now about uh, these road trips. So you mentioned that you start out the year 
uh, wanting to score against yourself or like setting setting a goal or a score. Um, what is that goal? What what is that score that you're trying to beat? Or or uh, you know when you first settled on the first um, of January 2019 and got the T Dub, what did you think you were going to do with it? Or what did you have in mind? Oh, the uh, the V seven ref. The oh, oh no, yeah, I'm sorry, the V seven. Yeah, I was gonna say the T, the T dub. I only just got into my possession a couple weeks ago, or well, a couple months. Feels like a couple. And you've already yeah, and you've already broke it in pretty glamorously. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've got over a thousand miles on it. So I've done the first service, which was a breeze, but definitely I listened to a couple YouTube videos first. But um, anyways, yep. to answer your question, the my goal for 2019 was to do 20,000 miles on it. Oh, okay. Um, I had done a trip or I had a trip planned over that summer um, that I knew was going to account for anywhere between five and 6,000 miles. So um, as a, you know, that was my daily commuting motorcycle. So I, commuting does actually rack up quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, all the little day trips. And I think I went up to Oregon, uh, went over to the East coast. I think I like barely stuck a toe in the water, you know, just to say that I did and turned around and headed back. But, um, I did end up getting that, that first year and, and just barely making that 20,000 miles. So, um, of course my, my goal for the next year was to just match it. Um, and that didn't happen. Um, I couldn't tell you what I'm at right now. I think I'm at 35 ish total, maybe 36. Um, was that was that 2019 versus this year? You, hey, guess what? You get a pass this year. Okay, <laughs> <I> like <laughs> things kind of went a little sideways. So I know, uh, we I can know. Understand. Um, and I um, did, yeah, the first couple, man, the first month of 2020, I think I rode out to Utah or Nevada. No, I rode out to Nevada. Uh, I was scouting locations for and doing some work for an event that eventually got canceled. So that was a little bit of a bummer. Um, and then I proceeded to sit on my ass for like four months. I had no work. I obviously everyone was in the same boat, um, nothing to do, nowhere to go. And I just didn't feel good about riding. And it was probably yeah. the first time in my life since owning, you know, kind of a bigger motorcycle that I just wasn't inspired to go out and ride. And it was really kind of interesting to like, look back at now. Um, cause I had all the free time, but I really wasn't sure what it would be like if I like left, you know, if I right. went a couple, you know, hundred miles in any direction, like would I still be able to find an open gas station or find a hotel or find a campsite? Ooh, I just didn't know. Right. I didn't think about that. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Uh, and so and and- I did come eventually I did, you know, get on my bike and go, uh, made it all the way up to Maine. Um, but I did come across some places where, you know, nothing was open in any towns. Um, I actually had a hotel reservation canceled while I was standing in the lobby because I had a, an out-of-state license. Oh, ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah. It, it was like raining. I think it was in Vermont or something. And I've, I just looked at it and I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Um, yeah. And they're just like, sorry, like we're, it's not worth it. And I'm just like, I'm yeah. in your lobby. Like, what do you, what's your yeah. problem? Um, but it was just another challenge, you know, to, you know, I don't know, travel. Right. <laughs> right. Turns out they weren't fucking kidding. And, yeah, uh, they weren't. Um, <laughs> right. That was really Man. interesting. <laughs> Right. And you know what, like you said earlier with the rally, if it's going smooth, um, you know, it's not going well. So like any adventure, it wouldn't be an adventure if there wasn't an obstacle to come 
uh, real to overcome. But you, uh, on most adventures, like legitimate adventures that aren't planned, the it's those obstacles that make the adventure. And obviously, you're not going to plan to go get a hotel somewhere and not have them. Because um, at the time, it probably felt like a shitty inconvenience. But afterwards, looking back, you're like, holy shit, I did this thing. And I, I mm-hmm. figured it out. You would be a great zombie apocalypse partner, my friend. I, you know, <laughs> there, I've been told that many, many a time. Um, that if, if the inevitable happens, you know, while, while I'm still around, um, that they want me on their team. And I, I don't doubt them. I mean, I've got some good skills. Uh, I was a camp yeah. counselor you know, in college. So that's pretty much like being a wilderness survivalist. I mean, right. Pretty and much. you're good with, you're good with the uh, talking people down out of a crappy situation then. I and so, yeah, can definitely, I mean, maybe that's why I'm so good at that event, you know, coordination I, the right. things. And actually, you know, I will, I'm going to go ahead and take that. I have a friend of mine who runs an event, um, event logistics company and not, not in motorcycles. Although I have worked with her on motorcycle events and she hires me specifically because the world can be on fire around me and I will sit there with a smile on my face and say, don't worry, it's going to be okay. I've got this and then just fucking figure it out. Um, Yeah, nice. So that applies (laughs) to, I think that applies really well to both motorcycle events because, you know, there's always the potential for someone to get seriously injured. Um, and you have to have plans and you have to have, you know, backup, you know, things in place when that happens. Um, but at the same time on a road trip, like I, the worst things have happened to me so far, the worst things have happened to me. And I've been able to, for the most part, calmly work myself out of that. You know, I don't panic, which is awesome. Um, sometimes they panic later. Like it's like post. (laughs) Post-event panic where I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, but uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, So I'm able to kind of look at that and say, okay, in the future, I'm going to not rely on people, you know, as a, an emergency contact if they're not, you know, being responsive. And I'm going to know my escape routes. I'm going to know like an emergency evacuation route, which I found out this summer. It needs to be a thing. Um, wow. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought of that. I would I did not even didn't even cross my mind and suddenly I get like an evacuation notice while I'm at a campsite at like 5 a.m. and I'm thinking you've got to be fucking kidding me. Um, did you go camping somewhere that was on fire this year or yes, what? Uh it was in eastern Washington. Oh shit, you picked a hell of a year to camp I, in Washington. Um well, I really wanted to on on my list this year was just kind of checking off a lot of states that I hadn't been to, hadn't ridden to yet. Um, so most of the East coast, you know, got checked off my list, but the two that were really important to me, um, were like North Dakota and Montana. And I was aiming for Glacier National Park because it's Mm. fucking gorgeous. Um, and I did not get to go in, uh, mostly because half the roads were closed because everything's on fire. Um, Mm. and then the morning that I like got in town, um, there had been a fatal motorcycle accident on the road leading Mm. in. And so they shut it down completely. Yeah, that sucks. That really sucks. Um, But yeah, so leading from there, I was, you know, camping in eastern Washington, trying to get to my friend's house in Seattle. 
conveniently on like the worst day of fires they've had ever. <laughs> yeah, I know this was, it was not a good year for the West coast. Let's just put it that way. And yeah. then for, and uh, my friends in Colorado who run the Nokomoto podcast, uh, pleasantly informed me that Colorado also has been on fire, but nobody mentioned that because it paled a, in comparison, I guess the whole state was on fire there too, but you know, everyone's focused on, uh, the West coast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So this year, I'll, yeah, that was one of the things, um, I live next to the crest, like I said. And so that was a huge part of my whole summer was watching the hill, uh, fire come down the hill toward my neighborhood. <laughs> and then I was like, Hmm, let's see. We, we didn't get evacuated and none of that stuff, but it was, um, life altering for a little bit because a, we're at, everybody's at home, uh, because of, you know, quarantine and all that stuff. And B, then we got the smoke coming on the hill, uh, right into the neighborhood. It looked like fog. And so, yeah, it was nuts. I was, and, and I knew from that point because of what happened like a decade ago now during the station fire that mm-hmm. the two is going to be closed for a bit. I mean, there is going to be closed up, up top for a while. I don't even know. Um, if the fire is still going or what, you know, I, I haven't heard shit about it all since the end of the summer, but, um, I know that it's gotta be pretty devastated up there. I couldn't imagine being trying to <laughs> camp <laughs> where it's currently on fire and getting an evacuation, note. like being safe in a house adjacent to the hill felt crazy. I couldn't imagine being like, Hey, my campground is, is in the middle of what's about to go down. And, uh, yeah, that is, I would, I would have had a little, uh, you know, panic oh, moment. I, I had a lot of panic, like a couple panic moments, but stacked on top of each other. Um, and then I think the second that I, I finally connected with a friend, thankfully who worked early and I knew that she, if I called her at 5am, she would be awake and would pick up. And she like was able to look it up for me, um, and say like, okay, go South. And that's mm-hmm. all I needed to know was just South will be away from the fire um, because of course, no, like I was dispersed camping and I was at a, un, uh, monitored campground. Of course you were, of course you I know, was, like- because I was going to be like <laughs> wild motorcycle woman, you know, look at me without owning a jet boil, but I'm dispersed camping. Like it's fine. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, it was one of those moments where it's just like, okay, if you're going to keep doing this, cause of course there's no question I'm going to keep dispersed camping on my motorcycle solo. Um, I need to be a little smarter about it. I need to have some sort of a beacon. I need to like, you know, if something happens to me and I'm out in the fucking wilderness, like some helicopters got to come get me. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, yeah. but just being a little bit more prepared and letting people know. Um, actually I should say letting the right people know where I'm at who are, right. you know, interested in checking up on me. Um, that makes a huge difference. Because if something goes down and like someone sees a news headline and it's like fires in Eastern Washington and they're like, Oh, Kate's riding in Eastern Washington. Gee, I yep. check up on her. Like, yeah, that's what I need to do is just kind of like set up those little bit, those little safety nets, you know? Right. Oof. Yeah. My, my whole family in, in, uh, Arkansas kept texting me all summer. Hey, how close are those fires? And, and it's cause like they know where I live and they would see on the news that it's like right here. And they're like, Hey, how close are those? And I wouldn't get back to them cause I was like busy or, uh, I just didn't see the text for a while. And I'm sure in their brain, they were like, Oh my God, he's not texting us back. Like, so, so yeah, just making sure people know that like when you're in the danger zone, that you're not in danger. That is right. a big part of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so 
I have another question for you. These every every sentence that you've uh, has come out of your mouth, I have uh, about three questions uh, for the for it now. I, I probably uh, won't bug you with all of them, but I do did want to ask. Um, I wanted to go way back when you said you were doing these like cross country trips. I wanted to ask you about gear. Um, so let's get into that. Before we do that, I want to ask you since this is kind of re- relevant to what you just said. Um, what sort of preparation stuff do you do? Like, and have you ever had like this, a creepy or really shitty, like actually scary moment? I mean, being getting an evacuation notice in the middle of a fire, I could imagine would be super scary, but like having the flames around you or waking up with some creeper like outside your tent or something, like, has anything crazy ever happened to you um, being out there on the road alone? And, and does that sort of stuff, um, Luckily, it sounds like it doesn't deter you, but does it make you prep extra hard for the next time? Yes. So there was an incident uh, this summer, and it was, I think it was somewhere in Montana, but not like the cool side of Montana with the mountains. It was the flat side of Montana. Mm. Um, and I had rolled into a – it was like an established campground, but was a little bit more on the dispersed side. So there's like suggestions of fire pits, but no, nothing like – marked campsites with numbers. Um, gotcha. it was, uh, I find a lot of my camping stuff on iOverlander. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good site. The best. Yeah. Um, and it was really helpful up there because a lot of campsites were shut down due to COVID. Um, a lot of places were full because everyone in, and their mother discovered mm-hmm. camping this summer. Yep. So that's great. Please discover camping. Um, but just, maybe scooch over so I can fit my motorcycle in. You know? <laughs> right. um, yeah. Guilty, so, guilty here too. Yeah. I had uh, found a spot, um, set up my tent, set up my sleeping pad, unpacked my bike a little bit. I was sitting down eating dinner that I had picked up and just like turned around and looked at my bike and there was someone standing behind my bike and it was this guy with a dog and I'm just like, okay, Like you didn't say anything to me. I didn't hear you walk up for whatever. Like I usually have music playing or something, you know, if I'm in a campsite, just, just to be like visible and aware of like, Hey, I'm here. I'm making noise. Um, but so I turned around, this guy was standing behind my bike and he's like, did you ride that all the way from California? And I said, yes. And he's like, do you going to ride it back? And I was like, obviously <laughs> he's like, well, it's no. from here. That's what <laughs> I was just going to leave it. Like, <laughs> I was being a little bit of an asshole. So I was like, yeah, dude, I'm going to ride it all the way home too. And then he says, so you're here alone. Mm. And I'm like, Oh, red flag. Oh. It's a trap. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, actually I'm leaving. Like, he's like, I just saw you set up your tent and I'm just like, yeah, I'm leaving. So I, like scarfed maybe like five more bites of whatever sandwich I was eating, packed up all of my shit all over again and left. Um, I was, and where did you go? I mean, that's, there you go. There's obstacle number three of the day. <laughs> I, I think I had a little, I had a little bit of daylight left because I think I had even gotten there early thinking like, wow, I'm going to have like uh, canned wine was my thing this entire trip because you can find it <laughs> at almost nice. any grocery store. Um, but it's, you know, it's one can of wine. So it's like maybe a glass and a half or so. Um, gotcha. the perfect amount to camp with. If I don't open it, like I can throw it in my bag. It's not glass. It won't break. It's, it's amazing. Um, sounds disgusting, but sounds you know, very hobo chic. So many craft wines out there now. It, I was drinking like a queen. It was amazing. Um, but <laughs> nice. that was, that was one of those things where 
here I was, everything was going smooth. I got in early. I found a cool spot. The, you know, sunset was about to happen and that shit went down and I was just like, I've got to fucking go. Yeah. Um, fucking so later. I, I rolled down maybe, I want to say it was maybe 35 minutes down the road, which thankfully there's nothing in, in Eastern Montana. So like 35 minutes down the road, I was like, please, please, please let there be something. Um, cause again, I had like no signal on my phone. Um, and I right. across an RV, to, like RV only, no camping, no nothing, um, just an RV park off the side of the highway in the middle of fucking nowhere. And I rolled up and I like walked into the office and was just like, I understand that you don't allow camping. Can I camp here? And she must have taken one look at my face and she's like, yep. Yeah, she understood. Oh my right. Gosh. And I, I mean, I couldn't even tell you, like I, she like, you know, wrote up the little paperwork thing. And I was just like, tears were just rolling down my face. I could, yeah. not, I was so thankful, so grateful, so fortunate to like fucking find that, that I was just like, thank you so much. And I uh, went and set up my camp um, and then came back in. Cause I was, I thought I was going to get firewood and I, I didn't end up getting firewood cause I, just, I was so exhausted, but I told her what happened. And she goes, I, I could see as soon as you walked in mm. the door, you needed to stay here tonight. And I was like, fuck yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> oh yeah. Shit. That, how nice. The, and, and probably Montana, you know, no one's going to tell you, uh, uh-uh. well, uh, depending like bigger city or, you know, KOA campground, they might've been like, yeah, but yeah, if you're out in the middle of nowhere and you know, there's nothing around and you see, uh, person in distress come in hopefully you're just like yeah let's do the right thing yes. here. that's a, that's pretty crazy though that's nuts that was that's the most wild and I, i've been asked a, a couple times you know like whether i carry some sort of like defense thing on me um and i think every conversation i have we end up on i should get bear mace and i've never bought bear mace so yeah um the, the problem with bear mace is that if you spray it and there's even wind or anything guess who else is getting bear mace oh yeah oh for sure and also if i'm using it on a bear i don't want them within 10 feet of me which is yeah yeah the range that you need to have <laughs> um if, if you got the bear mace they're too close already yes, you know exactly. funny uh, do you know Amanda Zito, the um, as a magpie flies, yes. and she oh, does like all that, like super awesome artwork and stuff. Yeah. yeah, God, she's an amazing artist. We had her on the show a couple years ago, and we didn't get into this story, but I had um, Spencer Hill, the gear dude, on. Uh, I think it was last year or two or the year before, and he was telling us the story about she had bear mace on and she ate it. And when she crashed, the bear mace went off. And so not only did she eat shit, but now the bear mace is like squirting in her face and she's coughing. It's like, yeah, so reason number two, bear mace out of my, uh, yeah, off the table for me. So I think um, what I'll likely do for maybe a longer in-state trip or in, I should say, in the lower 48 trip, um, I'll probably end up getting a gun at some point just like something small. I always say cute. I want a cute little, adorable, teeny little back the fuck away from me. Right. I was going to say something that can blast your face off. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, I didn't, it's not like I grew up with guns in my family, but I, I actually learned how to shoot at church camp um, and have, you know, done the whole go out to the desert and shoot, look for a camp yeah. for fun type of thing. So it's not like I'm unfamiliar with guns. It's just that I've never really had the need to own one. Um, yeah. Until now that I start do all these, you know, solo motorcycle camping trips, um, and especially the the event this summer where, you know, if something had happened, I, I had not a single thing on me that it could have 
protected me. You know, right. I have a little camping knife, but I don't want anyone within arm's reach of me, you know, like right. I don't want yeah. to take that risk. So that'll probably happen. Um, knowing my ability to not buy bear mace, it'll probably won't happen for a couple of years, but. Uh, hey, listen, don't buy a bear mace, buy a bear. Buy a bear, train a bear. Okay, get a Ural, buy a yeah. bear. <laughs> All right. <laughs> train a bear to protect me. This is a great plan. How have I yes. never thought of this before? Don't uh, erase gun because those are a liability. If you shoot someone now, you have to prove that it was self-defense. And no. if they get it away from you, guess who's getting If you get a bear and train it, if I it's highly un- it, Yes. Yeah, there you go. You're right. And there's, there's a lot more, um, obviously involved in that decision. I would probably do like a good couple of rounds of classes, gun safety classes, that kind of thing first, um, like become a little bit more comfortable with the idea because I, I mean, shoot, it wasn't until like maybe this, I've been uh, living mostly alone in California the last almost 10 years. Uh, And this is the first year where my dad's like, you know, you're kind of there by yourself. You think you might want a gun. And I mean, to have my dad suggest that, I think that says something like maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know you need one until someone tells you you need one though. So, I mean, you're, you, you've been doing pretty good with that okay. one. All right. Maybe I'm on um, Also, where, where did you, uh, I'm from Arkansas originally and shooting at church camp sounds like something we would have done out <laughs> <laughs> like a bunch of hillbillies shooting at church camp. Yes. So. Um, I grew up outside of Chicago. Um, okay. I went to church camp in northern Wisconsin. Right. So that's that's exactly where church camp and art, uh, archery and actually it was it was a really good experience. Um, obviously, I then in college worked at a church camp um, and like got to lead all those, you know, super fun things and bits. So like camping has always been. And and all those creative, like outdoorsy, oh, we need to build a shelter. Like I'm all over that shit. Uh, right. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that's an awesome skill to have, especially like, uh, I used to bag on hipsters and like artisan, you know, your artisan, this and that, but I've come to realize that more and more, these are the people that are keeping, um, some of those older traditions alive that would have died out had they not been cool, actually, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if, if, if they didn't do it. And like all these um, urban lumberjacks, at least they're keeping ax sharpening a thing because one day you're going to need it again. You know, Absolutely. <laughs> so. like how many times do you have people make fun of like underwater basket weaving? And it's like, bitch, if you got to catch a fish, who are you going to ask? Like, right. Come on. Guess like, what? Yeah. Yeah. The underwater basket weaver. <laughs> you're out there with the with the one hook and it's like, <laughs> no, listen, make a net, make a basket. Guess how you can catch many at once. Exactly. Um, I totally right. agree with you, though. I definitely agree. Yeah. Um, when you, you know, uh, obviously you grew up in Chicago. What um, what brought you out here? And I, I think you said you've been out here for like a decade. What brought you out here initially? And and why leave the wonderful uh, wilds? Uh, when you said a church shooting group, I I wasn't thinking Branch Davidian, but I was thinking that would have been a great place to learn where to shoot and that would have been fit right in. But <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah. what brought you out here from Chicago where I thought they just gave everybody a gun? Oh, um, yeah, no. Well, I was in the suburbs, which is very white bread. Um, mm-hmm. Although we were right on the edge of like unincorporated. So across the street were farms. Um, like I grew up horseback riding. We had snowmobiles. Mm-hmm. So like power sports has always been a thing. And I just... 
um, I think it was one of those like call of the wild things where my, my worldview was very narrow. I didn't travel a lot. My family didn't travel a lot. We'd go to the East coast and we all know that that's a shithole sometimes. And so mm-hmm. there was just nothing about like that sense of adventure. I just didn't know I was missing it until I got out to the West coast. And I think I was maybe 22 or 23 the first time I went West of Denver. Um, mm. and went to California with a friend of mine, uh, drove out actually. So I like got to experience the whole, like, holy shit, those mountains are so cool. And then you spend six hours driving up to them. You're like, oh, <laughs> right. <they're amazing." laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, like I got out to California, I was here, I ate seafood, I got sunburned, I flew home and I was like, I have to Let's do that again. Here. Yeah. So I think it was within a year I had moved out and it was one of those things where if I, if I hadn't have done it, I don't think I would have gotten the courage to do it. Like if I hadn't done it exactly right then, uh, yeah. I didn't really wait for anything in particular. I knew that, you know, I, I had been doing hair for a couple of years in Chicago and I knew that that translated to everywhere because everyone, uh, hair doesn't stop growing. Um, right. And so I just kind of, you know, came out interviewed at a couple places, realized that if I wanted to do a follow-up interview, I'd have to move here. So I think I saved up maybe like three months worth of pay, uh, sold a bunch of my furniture, sold my old moped. That was my first foray into two wheels. Awesome. Uh, engine was a moped. It was gorgeous. It was a 1980 Honda Hobbit PA-15. Oh. Yeah. That's the only reason Damn. I bought it, it because it was a Honda Hobbit. I was a yeah. Lord of the Rings. Who knows? Um, right. And so, yeah. So I just packed up my, I had an SUV at the time, packed up my SUV, got out here, um, was able to stay with a friend for like maybe a month or two until I yeah. found a job and found an apartment and just haven't ever felt that pull to leave. Like right. whatever's going on. Like, I, I mean, it's, it's tough out here because there's a lot of uh, disconnect between what you can make and what you actually make and what everything costs. Uh, right. Which you, I mean, if you're living up in anywhere near LA, you understand that. Um, yeah. And the culture was really, really hard to get used to. Um, I mean, I'm like a back in Chicago. I, I would just like show up at the neighborhood bar expecting to see anyone, my friends, my neighbors, my coworkers, my family, someone will show up. Um, and I'm totally a bar talker where I just, like sit down next to someone and be like, so what did you get? Oh, that beer looks cool. What's in it? Like, I just am that type of person. So to move to LA where if you start talking to someone at the bar and you don't already know them, they look at you like you just grew an extra head. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work the same way out here. So it does not. No, it's definitely tough, but for it to for, 10 years though, like I actually think I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, no, you're great. It sounds like you're having a blast. I mean, you're doing some amazing stuff too. I want to ask you a little bit about that, but yeah, you, you hear about how laid back LA and California is, and then you get out here and it is a little bit standoffish in LA. Everybody's, it is mellow. I got to say, I mean, it's not like a hundred percent cutthroat, at least like on the, 
on the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, underneath it may be, people may be really competitive. And I know sometimes when I first moved here, everyone's like, hey, are you in the industry? And the, I didn't know what the industry was. And it turns out it's the film industry. Everybody up here is in it. Yeah. And if you're not, right, you're not in, you're not shit. So I was like, no, what's, what do you talk about? Like the porn industry, the yeah. gambling? <laughs> what are you talking about? I didn't know, right? I was like... Um, but yeah, so when you said you saved up, th- I, I chuckled earlier, uh, it may come across in the, in the audio when you said you saved up three months of pay and sold all your furniture, I was just laughing. I was thinking, did that, did that get you like one night in the back of a station wagon? Because rent here is it definitely, was. I know, um, I think I, uh, thinking about it, I think I moved here with about three or four grand, um, uh, I don't, gosh, I, I look back and like whatever I was making in Chicago versus what I'm making here, like I just, it was just so wildly different, but it went to such different things. Yeah. Um, and so like three months of pay here would probably be what, like 10 grand or more, um, yeah. on a slow, slow, you know, uh, whatever it's called schedule, I, I guess with like no, none of my side jobs. Cause I, I, I'm always like a, I have multiple jobs. I love doing the freelance stuff on top of the motorcycle stuff and top of the hairdresser stuff. Like I never, never try and have free time essentially. Um, and so, yeah, to come here with what wouldn't ever cover even a month's worth of bills now. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. 10 years ago, yeah. you know, it, it wasn't that much different for cost of living, but right. I was an incredibly like thrifty and stubborn girl and was like, fuck you guys. I'm going. Uh, I remember my friends and a couple of my family members had bets as to like how long it would be until I came back. Um, safe to say, I think all bets are, completely over and lost at this point. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, maybe some percentage of that was like staying out here out of spite. You know, it was hard. It was right. Yeah. Established. <laughs> I, you know, worked multiple jobs at multiple places to make it work. Um, but, uh, I feel like it was always worth, even from like the first year where I was like, this fucking sucks. Like it was still worth it. Uh, yeah. And people who haven't had that chance to kind of break out of their comfort zone and and take a step into like a brand new world where they have to relearn everything. They don't know. I didn't, I had almost no friends out here. I had maybe like two or three people in LA that I knew. Um, I had no family out here. I was completely by myself. Um, people who don't get the chance to do that, like I feel like they're just missing a whole other aspect of like, do I put gas in my car or do I eat? And then within a month yeah. or two, they're like man, my apartment's $2,500, like, and I can afford it. Okay. Yeah. Great. Like, it's just, it's, it's like, I don't know, a real perspective shift, I should say. Right. Yeah. I'm glad you stuck it out because, uh, definitely, uh, it's it's fun to to look on Instagram and see what everybody around here is doing and almost everybody here now is not from here. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot, I mean, there are a lot of natives, but, um, half the people I know aren't from here and it's just so cool to see everybody out here doing the fun thing, you know, and making it motorcycle related. Um, so, uh, you, you said that you're unemployed in multiple ways when we first started talking. Um, (laughs) and yeah, so, I mean, it sounds like you do a lot of, a lot of stuff and, and you got your hands in so many pies. Um, what do you do when you're not riding motorbikes? 
Uh, like what's your, what's your go-to when you're not riding motorbikes, I should say. When, yeah, when I have like kind of en- endless free time, like I do right now, um, I tend to like dip back into like really crafty, like hobbies. Um, so like I, I usually explain it, like I have the hobbies of like an 80 year old grandma. <laughs> um, I love I love quilting. <laughs> right. Um I it's something that I've done for a really long time and I typically would work that in around everything else that I did. So I'd be able to work, you know, maybe an hour or two every other night or something. Um and then here I am with all this free time, I, I can spend 10 hours a day on certain things. Um yeah. so it's been kind of interesting to like dedicate a lot of, uh, passion and just, just effort in general to that. Um, when previously I haven't ever had the time to, so it's kind of exploring a little bit more of like, you know, if I have my own style or my own color, you know, patterns and, um, just kind of turning things into, cause I, I've always ever made them for, um, usually friends and family. Um, friends, if they have some big life thing or if they, you know, for whatever reason need, need something. I I mean, quilts seem to be for me, at least when I make them, uh, for a specific person, um, I'm literally like spending 40 hours thinking about that person and stitching that into the fabric. It's a little creepy. Um, (laughs) I was thinking about you when I made this. That's exactly it. And and sometimes it's for good reasons. You know, I just made one for a client of mine um, who's about to have a baby and they've been trying for years. And finally it's happening within the next two weeks. And like, I thought about that every second of making that quilt for her. That's awesome. Just, yeah, you, I mean, there's no, I mean, maybe any, hipster handicraft, you do spend a lot of time and effort doing kind of repetitive small tasks to get a big result. Um, but when you can kind of channel that passion and energy and love and compassion into something for someone specific, uh, I think it carries a lot of energy. It like just, and I'm not like a, you know, woo woo type of person anyways. Um, but there's something to be said about spending, you know, dozens of hours, just like putting your passion into something that someone's going to cherish. like Right. Almost going back too to what I was saying about people bringing that back. The last person that I know, well, I guess my wife's mom quilts, but that is, she's a little older now too. My grandma and my great grandma, that's what they would do. They would sit around and have quilting parties in the hills, you know, like in, as a hillbilly, that's what you did. Um, and they would make quilts for people for life events, just like you're talking about now. And so a baby would be born. Um, and I have a quilt out there floating somewhere that my great grandma made for when I was born. Um, yeah. And so my grandma was, um, yeah, she's like a hundred and twenty-five thousand years old now. She's really <laughs> old. She's slowed. She she slowed down a little bit, but she has given kind of given that up. But she that was her thing, you know. When when the kids were little, um, she would make us quilts too for when we got married. You know, like I'm going to make you this quilt when you're a little kid, and when you get married, you can have it. And so yeah. that is sort of a, a thing that, like you're saying, it was a very personal thing. I think it's great that it that it is still a personal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is an 80 year old grandma, um, uh, hobby, but you know, someone's got to keep it alive. So and that's exactly, uh, my grandma currently makes quilts for my cousins. Um, 
I'm the oldest out of like 16 of them. So I don't think I'll get one. Uh, yeah. She started at the youngest and worked her way backwards. So I've got like six people in front of me still. Um, but I mean, gr- I, grandma ain't getting any younger, right? So she better hurry. Although she sounded, I just talked to her a couple days ago um, and she sounded amazing. And she was like, I just, I want to hear about all about what you're doing. And she was so, I don't know. I, I like just talking to her and like sharing what I'm working on either in just regular life or um, my sewing projects. Like, it really is exciting to like see that passion, you know, kind of reflected back at me. Um, cause she taught me to sew when I was really little and oh, cool. that's, where, nice. that's where it all started. You know, um, right. I think we had like American girl dolls or something. I don't know if you're familiar, <laughs> yep. um, <laughs> but, uh, I have a couple. Shh, don't, no, don't say no, anything. Right. So these <laughs> are like expensive. Right. And so we always wanted these little outfits for them. Um, but they're pricey. And so my grandma taught us how to make them. And that's how, that was our first foray into sewing was learning how to make, and I think we made like a cute little doll size quilt. Um, and I remember like vividly like the colors on it and it was so intricate looking like at the time it seems so complicated. Um, and so I actually, you know, I've been sewing my whole life almost. I think I started when she, I must've been like six or seven when she taught me how to. Dang. Nice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Who's, who can say they've done anything for like 25 years. Right. Right. Um, but I mean, uh, carried over into um, high school and college. I did a lot of uh, costume design and construction. That's actually what I went to school for in college. Um, so a lot of like pattern drafting and historical reproduction of like clothing. Right. Uh, hey, I got a question for you. Yeah. Why aren't you in the industry as like a costume designer? Oh my gosh! Because I didn't. I couldn't play the game. I couldn't play the You're sh- the uh. no. I couldn't do it. Um, which is a surprise that I'm even in the beauty industry because I can barely play that game. Like, <laughs> very, like what you hear here, like uh, me, the way I talk to anyone, the way I tell stories, the way I like kind of live my life. I don't really censor it for for anyone. Uh, maybe my grandmother, but um, in this hair salon, you know, all of my clients they. They subscribe to this, the the motorcycle rides, the camping by myself across the country, the funny stories, the kind of like wacky adventures and shit. Like it's, it's the same, you get the same Kate across the whole board. Um, and so that's not exactly, maybe it works for some people in the beauty industry, but in Newport Beach, it's kind of not the norm. Um, I'm not, yeah, I don't know what the trendiest fashion thing is. I don't know who the housewives are. I don't know. I don't do Botox. I don't get eyelashes. You know, like I just, I'm not the norm there. Um, but I feel like I've definitely found like a little niche where I can be dirt biking, motorcycling, long distance touring Kate without, you know, compromising what I love to do, which is make people feel on the outside and look on the outside the way they feel on the inside, like with the hair stuff. Right. Uh, and sadly, sadly, folks, she did just describe like 99% of Huntington Beach. <laughs> yeah, Huntington, New. I mean, my salon's in Newport. Or, or New, Newport, rather. Yeah, that's what oh, I meant. Yeah, a Newport. little different. They got some frosted tips still. Um, <laughs> highlights over there, I think. But Newport, I mean, Newport is very, I've worked at a high-end salon in Newport Beach. And while it was lucrative, it wasn't fulfilling. So, um, where I'm at now, I've been maybe about five years. Um, and my clients just, 
I feel like they, they see who I am. They appreciate me for who I am, but also that I can like do their hair exactly how they need it to be done. And there's no, yeah. there's no frills. There's no, I'm not, you know, if, if they are asking me whether they should get plastic surgery, they know I'm not going to give them a serious answer. Um, yeah. But uh, maybe that's a breath of fresh air for some people, hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I, um, I didn't know there was a game to it. I, I, uh, the guy Brady, I was talking about earlier, I should hook you up because you guys would be, um, he would love to see that. Uh, well, he'd love to see the T-dub. I think his, uh, girlfriend or wife has, has a T-dub, um, or they have a BW, one of the Honda like competitor to that. Um, but also she's got the motor. There's a chance I already follow her on Instagram. So maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So they, I think she does costume design. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's perfect. I could hook you up with him to do a classic track day on your Moto Guzzi Uh and just get a little taste of the track, ride it around and see if you even want to do it. And then her, you know, Hey, when, when production gets back online for these movies and stuff, Hey, listen, I know somebody that makes these crazy costumes. You need a quilt, by the way? Yeah, yeah. We, we oh, butter them up gosh. and then... I don't know about that. Yeah. I mean, I... <laughs> even, oh God, that must have been, what, like 11 year, eleven or 12 years ago? Maybe more yeah. than that, that I went to school for that. So I, I know for a fact that where I stopped, the rest of the world moved on. Um, and I instead, you know, went to beauty school. But... Uh, Dude, it's all CGI, man. Like, you, <laughs> you, don't, gotta be, you don't gotta be that good at it. Oh. Come on, trust me. That's okay. I'd rather do, I'd rather do like hair or something like that, but either either way, um, I mean, I, I have no interest in like the film industry. I, I thought about maybe when I, if I had like more free time and things were opening and happening, like doing like local theater and doing some costuming. But I think that was a little bit of a pipe dream that, um, in current situation probably won't happen. Uh, yeah. If there's one thing that you you're that's coming across to me from you is that uh, I don't know you've you seem to grab everything else by the reins and succeed somewhat at it. So I mean, yeah, don't give up on this pipe dream, man. Start toking that pipe, baby. <laughs> Make it happen. <laughs> um, um, yeah, maybe we'll see. I I don't ever like to say no to anything, but um, yeah, that's just kind of like personal rule. Like I, I don't know, maybe maybe. If I have time, yeah. if things line up, probably. But I feel like I have so many other things I want to do in the meantime. Yeah. Uh, that's just, you know, an afterthought kind of hovering around the back of my, like, uh, maybe I'll just have, like, super cool costumes for my kids for Halloween, you know, in the future. Maybe. Or maybe, Dude. like, some cosplay thing will happen and I'll be able to, like, whip something out of nowhere. Like, that- I'll tell you what. Hell on Wheels has that Halloween hill climb every year at Glen Helen Raceway. And I, I guarantee there's some chumps that show up with nothing, uh, just their motorcycles. And you could just sit there with some extra costumes for rent. You know what I'm saying? Hey, just rent, rent them out for the day. That's a great idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, my friend Vula had a good costume. Well, I think she's had it for a couple, but I, I know I saw pictures of her at that Halloween hill climb. Uh, and she was the human cannonball. Yes. Uh, yeah. Vula. Yeah. You're the best. Uh, yeah. She's just, yeah, she's amazing. But she, she does that. She does. Um, I'm not sure if exactly it's costume or just fashion, but she's, uh, she's a sewer, sewist. 
Yeah, I think is the correct term. Um, and actually a little bit of the fabric that I have here that I'm working into my next couple of quilt projects, like kind of came roundabout from her. So like, I always really, I don't know, that's one of those things where sometimes in, in the like sub hobbies of all this other motorcycle passion, um, there's things that line up in a really cool way. Um, and to be able to kind of like not only share the motorcycle passion, but also the like creative energy and like, uh, especially the sewing and vintage fabric passion. Um, it's kind of a weird subset, but I feel like it's the perfect, like it just makes sense for, especially for me. Um, and so from the other couple of friends that I've, you know, shared some of those things with, um, and who also kind of subscribe to the same, you know, motorcycles, but then the sub hobbies of all the different, you know, different little crafty things that we do. Yeah. It's definitely yeah, um, it's pretty um, cool. Who, who knew there would be a crossover between quilting and sewing and motorbikes? I mean, but, it, but it's there, it's definitely there. There's that's why, that's why I made this show. Basically. It's just, there's so many different things that people do. I know we all ride. Uh, so just getting to, to meet people and talk about the other stuff they do. Um, it's pretty crazy. Um, yeah. You're, uh, going back to your quilting, um, I seen your, you got like something going on on Instagram right now for a raffle. I don't know if this podcast is going to come out in time for, uh, before that ends, but just in case it does, what, what do you got going on? You got like a, a quilt that you're, you're raffling off. I do. Um, so I had been, I guess I've been just like making quilts for friends, obviously this whole year. And, um, I dropped one off in Denver right before Thanksgiving, or I guess it was Boulder. Um, and I was headed to Denver for Thanksgiving, um, and just managed to snap like the most perfect, like shot of this quilt. Like I gifted it to a friend. It was one of those things where, you know, I, uh, she had, I think she had bought a van at some point over the summer or maybe it was in spring. Um, and so I was making her this quilt for her van cause she was traveling around in it and like, you know, camping all over the place in it. Um, and I thought that, I don't know. It would just be the the most fun thing to put like this really, it was all a bunch of bright orange fabrics and such. Um, and I think that she ended up, gosh, she got into an accident in the van, which I think like obviously the van and her survived, but um, it just kind of like renewed this, like I need to make this for her. Like I feel like she could use a little bit of just extra love right now. Um, and she is such a bright and like shining person. Um, and like anyone who's met her just kind of, man, she just like sticks out in your mind as just like someone who's so happy and sunny and beautiful and bright. Um, so I made a quilt that l reflected that. And so it was all these really bright, warm colors and a star pattern. I posted it um, just like, hey, I delivered this and I'm really proud of it. And I had like maybe two dozen people ask me if I could make them a quilt. <laughs> um, which I would take me years to make two dozen quilts. Um, right. Now, hey, now you know how your grandma feels, yes, just to be fair. Well, right. Well, don't have two dozen right kids and then <laughs> problem solved. Um, right. But, uh, yeah. So I kind of like put it out there to a couple friends. Like if I, if I made something, um, like the only fair way I feel like I could like give it away because I don't want to just like put it up for sale because uh, a lot of imposter syndrome when it comes to like pricing things that you make out of a passion, you know? Um, yeah. But, you know, like maybe a raffle would be cool. I've done raffles for like all the motorcycle events that I've ever, you know, 
run. So I'm familiar and sounds pretty fair. If people are really into it, maybe they'll buy a little bit more. And so that's kind of what I ended up doing is I uh, created just a quilt that I think speaks to like my style. Um, so the, the colors are a little funky, the pattern's a little funky, everything kind of blends together, but stands out at the same time. And it's, there's a lot of vintage fabrics. There's a lot of, uh, recycled fabrics from other things in there. And it definitely has, um, I don't know, it's got some like really good vibes to it, I think. And I'm not, again, I hate to say vibes because I'm not like an LA hippie woo woo vibe person. Um, <laughs> right, but right. It, it feels really warm and comforting. Um, yeah. Is that that orange star thing that was on? I think I saw something on your Instagram the other day. Is that what that is? Uh, is no, that that's, a, those, that's my other party trick. <laughs> it's these like, right. origami type folded little pot holders that are kind of like oh. a vintage throwback. Um, right. So those are, I made a couple of those uh, to give away in the raffle also because I had so many people participate in it. Um, I just kind of wanted to be able to like, gift a few more things right uh, i was gonna say those look it's this is weird because I, I know it's just fabric but those almost had like this like sensual kind of the there was like little i it's hard to describe without because i have it in my brain pictured but there's like layer it's like layers right it is, it is. and that thing yeah it was just like te- i could just imagine like what that thing could would feel like too. I mean that 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 thing really. My my eyes were just like doing a little dance. I was like, wow, that thing is yeah. cool. It it just looked cool, but it also looked like it was just like a really. I don't know. I'm a tactile person, so I was just like, mm-hmm. man, all those little yep. bumps and nooks and crannies in there. Each one of those things is like a different layer that obviously you had to make by hand. And I was just staring at it, going, what? Like my brain's trying to figure out how, how did yeah. you make that? So um, yeah, there's a tutorial online, so anyone can just. Oh Google. shit! I was gonna say, don't know, give us your secret. But it's it's so tedious. <laughs> it takes like hours to make one of them. Um, right. And last year for Christmas, I think I made quite a few of them. I made one for my grandma. You know, had to. Um, but uh, quite a few friends got them. Um, in fact, one of my friends on the East Coast uh, got one earlier this year, and she sent me a video of like she was like sticking her fingers in all of the little like edges of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would too. As I'm telling you. Like, yep. Yeah, that's a thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, so those are, I'll probably make a couple more. I don't know. I'm going to see how tomorrow morning goes. But I am pulling the raffle tomorrow uh, yeah. afternoon. Um, but I had such a good response, um, which I don't, I mean, this is the first time I've ever sewed anything to, to sell or without, you know, selling it really. It's kind of just up to chance. But um I I don't know. It it felt really good to see like people appreciating. I always have that little bit of imposter syndrome where it's like, really, you guys like this? Um, uh, But that's, it feels like I'm going to probably do something uh, like this again. Um, So I'll probably do something, but it'll probably just be like once a month or once every other month or something like that, just for fun. Um, Yeah. Not to, I, the last thing I want to do is take something I feel so passionate about and turn it into yet another, uh, cur- like not career, but like paid hobby type thing. Right. Uh, or, or career. I mean, yeah, that's exactly what will ruin something that you love. Yes. Right. And the motorcycle thing, like I've learned my lesson with that. Uh, I worked at dealerships cause I thought I wanted to be really involved in the community. Um, turns out dealerships <laughs> are not where the community happens. <laughs> 
I was going to say, that's where you go to die because you never get out to ride. You're open every weekend exactly. to service people. and Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I, I definitely felt a little bit, uh, I don't know, just the, my whole passion was dampened while I was there. Yep. And they're, they're a great dealership, but they expected like 110% from me when I was only there part time and like couldn't, I could barely give them 50%, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause I refused to stop working at the salon. I refused to stop working on my own motorcycle uh, event series, the uh, motor market that does like the women's gear. I was like in full swing at the time. Um, and I just refused to back down on like what they were asking versus, you know, what I knew I could give. Um, so that didn't work out, but that's okay. I actually swung by that dealership today to get air in my TW tires. Cause Nice. I was like, hey, <laughs> like I walked in, they're like, what are you doing? And I'm just like, I'm just here for the uh, air compressor outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Listen, so, I need, so, I need, I need the money, but guess what? I'm not just here for air today. Yeah. Um, right. So, um, I'm sorry if we're just jumping around so much and I, I, I don't know if you need a break cause I'm not going to give you one. We're just, I'd love <laughs> to just jump to the, <laughs> jump to the next thing. Um, the moto market, um, can you tell us a little bit about that? How long, how did that start and how long have you been doing that? Yeah. So it's been, Ooh, maybe like four, four and a half years. Um, obviously this past year, not a damn thing happened because well, yeah, not a damn thing yeah, happened. Well, um, right. But it started, uh, kind of to just get all of the women's moto gear brands into one space. Um, the biggest thing that I was hearing from friends who, and at the time I had been writing for quite a few years, but really had nothing in, in the way of correct gear um, or gear that I felt like I wanted to wear, um, whether it was like appropriate or not, I still didn't want to put it on because it was uncomfortable and, you know, not the right size. And I was kind of making do. And so I kept asking friends, you know, what would make the difference? And they're like, well, I don't mind spending four or five or $600 on a jacket, but I just want to make sure it fits before I spend that money. Yeah. Um, and so it came back to that same dealership where I, I just happened to be there and was shopping for literally anything that would fit me. Um, and the owner happened to be in, in, on the sh uh, showroom floor that, that morning or afternoon, whenever it was. Um, and I kind of like cornered him and I was like, Hey, you don't really have a whole lot of women's gear. And he's like, well, it doesn't sell. And I was like, yeah, because you don't. Bullshit. Yeah. Cause it, cause you don't have the right shit. Because you right? don't stock it. And he goes, oh, well, you know, we've tried that. And he pointed me at a brand that I knew just sucked. And I was like, I just <laughs> tried those jeans on and they feel like wearing a diaper. Like no one's going to wear those fucking jeans. Um, so I said, if, you know, if I, um, like a Sunday or something, got a couple women's gear brands here, like, would you host that event? And he's like, yeah, maybe. Like, and thought about it and called me back and said, Hey, if you want to, if you want to do like a women's event thing with gear brands, like it's fine. Just, you know, you have to do all of the, every, every, everything. So like the marketing and the logistics and all that. Um, and you're like, Hey, that's something I do. No problem. At the time I did not do that. That was my first. <sighs> yeah. Oh my God. So here I was coming up against a problem and I was like, Someone's got to get all these places. And it was as simple as asking, hey, do you guys want to come here on this Sunday? You know, so-and-so's coming. This other brand's coming. Dionysia will be there. Revit said they're in. They're like, oh, yep, we're in. And suddenly I had like 12 brands on board. Um, like only, man, it was like three or four weeks later. It was very quick. So I did all the marketing. 
I set up um, set up all sorts of things like an Instagram and a Facebook event, and then I got a PayPal, and then I did like a bank account, and like I like materialized a business overnight. Um, yeah, and it fucking worked. We had like three hundred women show up the first day, like the first time. And I seriously was in tears because I was like, what are you guys doing here? And they're like, one girl rode down from San Francisco from it. And I was like, you're fucking crazy. Like, why would you? Oh God. It was, it was one of those moments where it was like, how come they're here? And someone, probably one of my friends was like, well, no one's done this before. Of course they're going to be here. Like it just made, yeah. Um, and I think uh, maybe that first year I did one, that was in the spring. I did one in the fall. Um, the next year I got pretty ambitious and did like a couple more. Um, the fall, like I tried to tag them on to like other events when I knew like women were going to be around. Um, mm-hmm. And then the year after that, I went big and did like a little tour of the U.S., so I, I think I hit maybe seven locations in six different states. Wow. Um, holy shit. Yeah. And it was absolutely, it was the best learning experience. Um, the only reason I can say that with a straight face right now is because it's been a couple of years since then. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> learned way too much, uh, things I should have learned before I did that. Um, right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And Um, I, I mean, I absolutely overextended myself, but at the time, like it still made a difference. Um, we did one in Chicago suburbs in my hometown. Um, and to have that moment of like this, this is the town I grew up in. I'm able to take not only my company, but this event here and make a difference in, you know, women motorcyclists in my hometown. Like, man, that was such a wild experience to like, just check that off the list, you know? Um, and I think it even, it rained almost every single show I had. (laughs) That that was a, that was one of my cross country trips. Like I, I happened to also ride my motorcycle cross country during that. (laughs) Nice. And it just turned out to be a a pour down. There's no, there's no chill. Like I don't, I'm not just like, Ooh, let's go out for one thing. And I'm like, how many things can we tack on to the same exact, like how overexerted can I possibly be? And then I'll pick right. further. Um, right. I mean, I had girls ride down from Milwaukee in the rain specifically to be at that event. So, right. I think most people in Milwaukee end up riding in the rain. I have a lot of friends in Wisconsin, people that listen to the show that I consider yes. good friends. And, uh, I love her. <laughs> Narissa. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought you were talking about Nitrous Chris or no oh, Nitrous Chris. Yeah, no. Him, him I probably too. don't pay attention to like, uh, and I hate to say this out loud, but like men in the motorcycle industry, like I, um, I know most of the girls <laughs> who do things all across the country and I have so many friends that I visit, but like, if you're like, yeah. Hey, chopper, whoever I'm like, uh, uh-uh. uh, sorry. Yeah. Not relevant to me. Yeah. Chopper Dave. No way. So, so Narissa. Yeah. Is that, is that, uh, her and, all the Milwaukee rivets, uh, every time they post, um, it's raining. So I just assumed that in Wisconsin, it's always raining, even in the summertime. Oh, I mean, yeah, mostly. Uh, when I was there, <laughs> I stayed with uh, Narissa on my cross country trip. I went up through Michigan, uh, across the Mackinac Bridge in the UP. Um, and then, of course, there's just righteous storm coming through. And so 
I had texted her where my campsite was. And she goes, that's only like 30 minutes from us. Um, and we have a cabin with a pullout bed you can sleep on. And I was like, fucking. Oh, God dang. What is- and so I think I, I rolled in and it was just starting to rain. And then the rain really came in. And I was just so thankful for one, getting to hang out with her and her friends because they're all fucking hilarious. Um, and then two, just having like a spot. And I had been uh, having some issues with uh, the seal from the final uh, final drive of the Gucci to the transmission that it had, mm. it had been leaking. Gosh, it had been leaking for months. Um, but I kept I kept thinking like, oh no, that's not a leak. It's I just ran through some weird puddle or something. And I think someone told me that like, hey, I left my bike at someone's house. Um, and he wrote it and his brother wrote it and I got back to it and I'm like, what's that oil on the exhaust? And he's like, Oh, you know, so-and-so ran through a puddle. It's no big deal. Turns out it it had been leaking. Um, so Narissa kind of helped me walk through that and I was able to limp it back into Chicago, like straight into the arms of, uh, Windy City, which is, uh, they no longer carry Motoguzzi's. So I don't know if they can work on my service when I'm there. Um, but that's the Chicago dealership I ran my motor market event at. So it oh, crazy. It all comes full circle of, you know, this community is so widespread. Um, but at the same time, it's so strong because everyone's so passionate in it. And right. it doesn't take it doesn't take much to like be able to tell who's who's all in and who's not, you know? Um and I just I, I love that I can kind of tap into that experience in well, in my hometown where I grew up, because um, I didn't know that existed when I was there. So I almost had to like leave and spend all this time out here and then go back and then appreciate it, you know, for what it is. Yeah, that's amazing to rekindle that love of your hometown, be able to show up there as some sort of hero too, and bring something that had never been done. That's just, um, I've, I've mentioned it on our show. Of course, I, on our older show um, back in the day, I, I had plenty of time to, there was a lot of events going on. So every week I'd be saying, hey, this is coming up. This is coming up. Be sure to check this out. And I know that uh, California Motor Market popped up um, a few times, right? Because there was like the, there was one year where it was just, the one time that I can remember, but then it was like, yeah, it's, it's in NorCal. Now it's in SoCal. And then mm-hmm. I think it's going to be in Colorado or something like that. Yeah. Um, right. So that was probably the year that you went on your tour. And, and so I would, I would pay attention to the, um, things that were happening in the moto community and mention it. I had no idea I'd be meeting, uh, the person that started that. And that is an incredible story of how that came about. Like you just straight up fulfilled a need, uh, that, I'm surprised no of all, of all the damn things nobody thought to do that before. Well, I was, mean it was at the right it was like right time right, right place because some of those companies some of the companies we now know um as kind of icons in women's moto gear especially for the indie brands they didn't exist or they had just started um man I think like, like Stellar or Stellar Stellar her first show was the first California motor market. Like, yeah, she, I, I mean, it's, yeah. And there's a couple other ones. I think uh, Wind and Throttle, the first mm. live in person anything she did was California motor market. Um, BH and BR, they make boots. They came out to California and they had never come out for anything before. Um, and had just started doing their like ready, you know, ready to made, ready to ship t- type of, uh, 
uh, boot line um, at Wild. I think I I had initially like reached out to Anya and be like, hey, I'm doing a women's thing. And they're like, oh, sorry, we're busy, um, which totally fine. I mean, I, I was throwing the thing together in like less than 20 days. Like it was pretty tight. Um, and then all the marketing went out and we kind of got this little bit of fanfare. And she emailed me and just like, hey, what is this? And I was like, so I already invited you, but um, it's cool. You said you were busy. And she's like, oh, damn. Okay, we are busy. Like, fuck. But, um, man, they've come to every single every single other market since. Um, yeah. That's like maybe a dozen at this point. But um, it's also kind of inspired some other women to start these companies. Um, and I think that's the pivot point where... Um, I get goosebumps and a little nauseous right? and, and think about like, oh my God. Okay. So we piled everyone into one parking lot. Some of these things existed. Some of them were corporate brands, you know, like Revit has always been a huge supporter from the beginning. Um, and I, I credit that right back to, uh, Tracy Motts who did wore so many hats at Revit, but also was in charge of a lot of their events and sponsorships. Um, and as a woman writer knew how important that, that event was. And so she just having Revit on board in some capacity, typically through the dealership that I was working with, um, lent so much credit to it, um, that it would get all of these other board, uh, you know, brands on board. And I think that that is something that I think made the difference, um, to have kind of that backing, from just a, you know, large international company like that, that's it. Um, that plus yeah. all of everyone else coming in, filling in and, and sh- showing up and everyone who helped me and everyone who helped set up and take down and do the raffle things and take, <laughs> I don't know. There's just so many right. have been involved Shit. for years. Like, but the whole, the whole point wasn't to do that event forever. Right. The whole point was to show a lot of these, um, dealerships that the women are here to buy the shit, right? You, you need the shit, right? You don't have the shit and we're here to buy the shit. Yes. Thank you. You need the shit. Yeah. Here, here's 300 women. They're collectively spending 20 grand in your parking lot today. What <laughs> right. are you doing by not stocking women's brands? And at the yeah. same time, I could then turn around and say, here's the brands that, you know, like here's the direct connection to Atwild. Here's the direct connection to um, Stellar and Gigi and all of Wind and Throttle, who imports actually a lot of things from Australia, which is another hotspot for like women's moto gear. Um, but I mean, it was proving the concept for them without cost to them. Um, and building the community at the same time, I mean, yeah. it was just a perfect storm of no one's doing this yet. Uh, I can do this. And yeah, shit. it's not sustainable. Like I'd never want to uh, quit my job and like tour around in a van full of gear. I mean, that sounds like a lot of fun, but I want to ride my motorcycle. So, but if I can yeah. just bridge that gap so that these gear companies can be available all over the country, then my, my job's done. Like then, yeah. yeah, then I don't have to sit in a, you know, parking lot on a Sunday for like the third, you know, or fourth Sunday in a row trying to sling things like, and the gear companies, they're not trying to do that either. They, they want to just have accounts and wholesale accounts and like be available in places just all over the place. And man, 
It's right. It's weird to kind of think about it and piece it apart like that, but I mean, on the on the flip side of that, do you think that it was such a thing? Because here's a moto market that you know is going to have stuff that you're going to want to buy. It's catered directly to you. We're going to have it at this one location, and it got people there. I, I I see as the business though, that's a one weekend. And if you own this stuff and you sell this stuff, you can look at that and maybe say, oh, "Well, I'm not going to make twenty bucks every or twenty thousand dollars every weekend." But over the course of the year, by offering this stuff, I'm going to make a, a good chunk. But do you think it was such a such a success because there was nothing there was nothing and you're offering the the one time place i mean um do you think it would have been such a success if you were to just uh have done it the other way around where you were kind of like touring with other shows or doing you know touring with like mama tried or something like that you know what i mean um do you think it would have been as much of a success as it was just making it its own thing and saying hey look people want all this stuff and we're going to have it at this one spot come and get it, you know? Sure. Um, I mean, possibly, but at the time that didn't seem like it was in reach. Um, so, and there's, there's actually other companies that, that now do that. Uh, wind and throttle. My friend Jennifer started that. Obviously she started, you know, had her first in live in person, you know, um, show with me, but has made a huge dent in just getting the, the gear, like, to so many different places. She's, you know, I think she's done, what is it, Sturgis? But she's done all, all of the bigger shows. Um, she has done Mama Tried, I think. I don't know, Jennifer, it seems really close to you. I'm sure I'm sure you've gotten a Mama Tried. But all the IMS shows, which is another huge right. um, target, obviously. Um, but she she does that, where she, that's her whole life. She I think she quit her regular job and just went full moto um, and just kind of dedicated to it. But the thing is, she does a fan-fucking-tastic job of it. And, I mean, I look at what she does, and if I were to ever take Moto Market on the road, it would pretty much be the Jennifer show. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and I mean, pairing that with what, just the corporate contacts that I have for like, um, maybe, you know, Revit obviously, but Dionysi and Alpine stars and all that, it would be great to get them all in one spot. Um, but I think her indie brands absolutely shine on their own by themselves without the need for that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know if that would have been a lot different. I mean, I kind of been playing around with different ideas of, you know, this year and how I can kind of let Moto Market evolve. Um, and I, I'm just, I'm kind of coming up, like I have a couple options, but I don't, I don't, none of them have really stood out in a way where it's like, yes, this is the natural progression of something that's going to um, kind of carve a new space or uh, fill in the gap where we're really falling short because I feel like there are a lot of, there are a lot of things, well, not this year, obviously, but in the past year, um, a lot of these brands have been able to go a little bit further. They've been able to expand their offerings and have like new gear available. Um, and they're available in, you know, little retail boutique stores and they're just not as hard to find as they used to be, um, which is mm-hmm. incredible. But, um, I think there's still definitely some places in the U S that could like use that support. Most of them yeah. in the Midwest, uh, right? But I don't- how does it, how does it feel knowing that you are you are part of that? That you were 
uh, solely almost responsible for for making that happen. I mean, you said you had tears in your eyes when this was going down, but do you look back on? Is this something that you're gonna um, be remembering? Uh, you know, maybe years after you're done motorcycling, you know, look back and go, damn, I was a, I was a fucking pretty big part of, of getting, uh, the motorcycle community together in a different way than it's ever been before. I mean, I don't look at it. I don't know. It's hard to look at that, um, in that way. And it wasn't until people told me that, like, like, Mm-hmm. the gal that rode down from San Francisco to Orange County for the first one. She didn't tell me that at the event. She told it to me in the bathroom line at Sierra Stakeout that following fall. Uh, gotcha. Like, oh my God, you're Kate. And I'm like, and, and she's like, I rode down to your event from San Francisco. I have everything I'm wearing. Like, and this was like Sierra Stakeout obviously is like a chopper, fancy, not fancy. Right. No, yeah. Fancy. It's like a very chopper camp out up in the Eastern Sierras, which was fucking amazing. Um, I went the first year and it was, it was everything I needed it to be. Um, I'd love to go back. But, um, so she's like, everything that I'm wearing, I bought at your show. And here we are, (laughs) drunk in the bathroom line at a campsite where it's been raining and muddy and like, we're just like dirty and tired and had been riding all day. And I was like crying in the bathroom line. Cause I was like, you have no idea what that means to me. That was the first time anyone said anything to me. And I ever had like that tiny little sparkle of like, did I do something? Yeah. Because like, a lot yeah. of it I look at and I'm very harsh on myself, I think. Um, but I kind of look because you're because you're a because you're a high performer, it yeah. sounds like. I mean, I've been I've been crying in the bathroom line before asking myself with a little sparkle, but it wasn't because I did something great like you. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you you definitely I mean, I could tell that you uh, just from talking to you earlier, I, I, I've almost wanted to ask you three or four times now. Do you ever feel like you need a clone of yourself, you know, oh, just to be yourself? Gosh, I would have I would get so much more done and. I, maybe that's like the perfectionist side of me where I hold Mm -hmm. myself to a high standard because I expect great things. And if I can't do that, I shut down. And so Mm -hmm. mostly from like just lack of, um, actual energy to expend on the thing, you know, working all day at the salon, I'm running marketing in between, I'm answering emails for events in between and I get home and I have to do something and like, I'm just out. I'm just really out of bandwidth for it. Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, I would love a clone of myself. Um, I have yet to find one. If anyone can keep (laughs) up, please apply. I don't have an application process, but you'll just know. You'll just know the right. Because if you're on that, anyways. Um, But, I mean, yeah, I, I look at it like, it's not that I've done so much. I think most of it was an accident. I think it just happened to be in the right space at the right time. I said the right combinations of words to the right people. Um, but I also feel like at the same time, I'm not done yet. There is so much more to do. I am so like, I, I have so much um, hope and passion for like where the women's side of the industry can go. Um, I love that a lot more people are paying attention to it. I love that the gear companies are paying attention to it and taking into account, you know, actual things um, like how things fit or that they're not pink. Um, It's not tough. You just have to pick literally any other color. Um, 
<laughs> hey, that seems like too simple of an idea. <laughs> wait, wait, who came up with that? Oh, and like, I, I don't know, but I always get this sense of feeling of like, there's so much more to do. There's so much more to like see. And I, I don't know. So I look at that and it's like, well, that can't, that can't have just been it. It seems so insignificant or so little or so just kind of like, okay, what's next? Because I feel like there's just so much more in store after this. Yeah. Hey, your, your accent's coming through a little bit too. That was kind of (laughs) neat. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know how long you have to stay on or how much longer you want to spend with me. So before you leave, there are, there is a few questions I want to ask you, but man, what a great, I, I didn't know that just, uh, asking you, you know, about your crazy little Yamaha adventure that I saw you have, um, earlier would lead to this. you know, that you're the person you. that, you're like, Hey, do you like talking? And I'm like, as it happens. No. Yes. Guess what? You yeah. Like hey, <laughs> right. I know. I I'd love for you to come back, uh, on the show actually. Um, and this is not a good idea. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, no. Don't you remember what happened to the last woman on the podcast? Yeah, that's different Tobor. So we had Jay on the show who was our co-host and I do, I I know what he's talking about um, our old co-host. She was in jail for most of this year. So I I don't think Tobor, I don't think that would be the case with Kate. I think that uh, she's got her head a little bit uh, screwed on a little bit straighter than Jay. Um, I think it'd be fine to have Kate back on um, if you're down with that. I mean, if you're, (laughs) <laughs> if you're 100% okay with yeah. that. Uh, okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I'd probably have to run around and do a couple more adventures first before I'd have anything better to say. Um, oh, listen, man. With 2020, uh, as uh, just get like my the majority of my riding, I went for a ride, um, a pretty big ride this summer because I had to go back and um, take care of my dad in, in Arkansas. Um, I went for a ride up to Baldy. Um, I did try to ride up to um, just to check out to see what's open after the stupid Bobcat fire happened. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, man, my rides have been, I, I have to get out. I, I get like, ugh, I start to get like this weird, like, uh, right? yeah, yeah. Ugh, I just, I can't, I'm just sh- uh, getting the shivers thinking about it. I have to get out. Um, and to do that, I've been running to get food. And when you're buying food, um, you know, it's me, my wife, and my two kids. And I roll up t- to order food somewhere, and they're like looking at me because I'm on a motorbike. But I was like, dude, trust me, I got a big, I got a big backpack, okay? But I got to get out and do something. So the majority of my riding has been that. Uh, the most of the motorcycle stuff I've been doing uh, this summer has been working on them. So I mean, uh, you know, anything you could, you you don't just just riding around. Um, you know, Huntington Beach or Newport Beach, rather. Uh, it's good enough for me if you ever want to come on and, and share your stories. Um, but yeah, and, and 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 it is nice to have somebody that loves to talk. I hate I hate having a guest on and you're like, so you ride? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> so tell me about tell me what you do. Fortunately, we haven't had anybody like that um, in a while. But but yeah, I love you're an absolutely uh, amazing. Uh, you're a blast to talk to. Let's put it that way. And and I like that you're. Um, I mean, I've interviewed some people before. They were a little like uh, hard to get candid, you know. Were they? They were a little filtered. weren't sure what to say. They're trying to sell something, you know. And it's like, no, just tell me about the fucking time you ate shit or something, you know. And and let's break the ice a little bit. Um, 
So yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad that you came on. Um, before I let you go, uh, I want to run through this um, run through this uh, list of questions that I have, okay. and then uh, I want to get your social media info for everybody that so they can check out your crazy quilt that I just I want one of those pot holders to <laughs> stick my fingers into, and we could check out all the cool stuff that you're doing. So. Are you ready for these questions? I have about uh, a little over a dozen of them. Are you ready for this? Okay, yes. All right. So, uh, and I might I might fake some on here that aren't on here because okay. just uh, th- thinking about some some stuff I might ask you. So, first off, what's your favorite grip, the left or the right? Mm, right. Okay. Everybody has said that so far. I'm gonna make sense. Keep points on here. Yeah, yeah, it totally does. Um, I have yet to interview somebody with a scooter though. So, you know, those old scooters that have like the, uh, twist shift on the, um, on the, uh, what's it called? Like you shift my, my friend Sarah actually has one where you shift it on the left side. So maybe for her, it'd be that one. She does wheelies with her left hand. Um, what's your favorite dog breed? Ooh, um, Dachshund. Mm. Uh, do you have one? I don't, or, I wish I did, but mm-hmm. I travel a little too much. I have houseplants. Right. It's better. Right. <laughs> What's your favorite breed of houseplant? Um, uh, I have a Monstera that's currently taking over my apartment. Um, gotcha. Yeah. It's, uh, it's beautiful. Nice. Nice. Um, what is your, f- uh, this is, this is a kind of a hard one. What's your favorite song? Right now it's by and by by camp. Mm. I don't know why it's just, it played a lot on my Spotify playlist over the summer while I was writing. And mm-hmm. it always, for some reason, came on at just the right, like the sun was setting and the rays were just like perfect on the mountains and like that song would come on. So it just, it has like some special significance, but I'm not exactly sure what it is yet. Right. Did you get your Spotify printout that was like, here's the songs you like the most and here was uh, by and by uh, <laughs> at just the right time. Yeah. Yeah. That was my time. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, what's your favorite type of sandwich? Hmm. That's a tough one. Um, I'm going to have to go with Monte Cristo. Okay. Damn. Powdered sugar on a sandwich, girl. You're crazy. You're crazy. Uh, <laughs> that's a, those are, I haven't had a Monte Cristo in a long time, but dang, that's a, uh, that I was. One in, is the one in Solvang. Oh, shit. Yeah. I haven't been up there for a little bit. I'll have to check it out. Yep. At the Monte Cristo shop, right? Um, is that what it's called? I don't called? know. All of them serve Monte Cristo's because they have like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but it fits the theme up there. Let's just say that. Yeah, there you go. Um, what's your favorite month? March, mostly because it's my birthday. That, yeah, I was going to say, is that your birthday also month? Also, St. Patrick's Day. Um, mm-hmm. And it's typically, if you're not in California, it's like the first month that spring actually happens. You get a little bit of green and like those first couple like warm days of spring. And like, it's just it's just a little bit extra magical, I think. Yeah, and here in California, every month is March, almost. Yeah, just um, about. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite character from the movie Spaceballs? <laughs> <laughs> um, which one is the really apathetic robot? That one. Oh, shit. Yeah. Jo- the Joan Rivers robot? No, no, no. Um, Alan Rickman, I think, plays him. Oh, oh, oh. I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember. Here's here I asked the question and I can't remember. I just watched it like a couple months ago too. Um yeah, I'll have to look it up and and uh I'll I'll figure it out. I'll watch it again and, and report back next week okay. for everybody. Um 
what's your favorite sweater? Do you have a favorite sweater type? And if so, um, what is it? And then what is your personally, your favorite sweater? Um, I want to say my favorite sweater type is cable knit. Um, because it, you know, obviously serves a purpose and keeps you warm in like Siberia, AKA Chicago suburbs. Um, (laughs) my favorite one is not a cable knit sweater. Like my personal favorite one. Um, it's just a big gray sweater that has a really big bright green C on it. Um, C for Kate, obviously. I mean, maybe it was C for Christmas at some point, but, uh, that particularly is my favorite sweater. Right. It could have been C for a very uh, numerous reasons. Maybe it's like from Cuba, but uh, yeah, when your when your name starts at the C, yeah, what the hell? <laughs> um, <laughs> what bike do you think has the best graphics? And I hope you can't hear my neighbors. I don't know if that's as Harley or a side by side, but there's something starting outside uh, my garage right now. So, what what motorcycle do you think has the best graphics? Graphics in like the logo or like on the bike. No, not the not the brand logo, but yeah, like the best graphics. Um, mm. And it could be it could be anything. I mean, it could be that weird, uh, you know, that Moto Guzzi TT. That's all those crazy colors. Oh, it looks like somebody threw a box of crayons at it. Special or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, um, I, that yeah. Is not my answer. <laughs> um, I want to say probably. You know what? I'm gonna stick a little close to home and say like the '90s TW graphics, mm. where it was like teal and Barbie pink and like yeah. your own type and like on a pr- like a teal looking bike um and the frame was pink like those graphics are iconic and I kind of wish I could get like a sticker set that I could put on my TW that has like the 90s TW graphics yeah and you may not be too far off I know that those leathers are coming back people are doing like 90s um like replica leathers that are like teal with purple and a lot, a lot of those yeah, blues and stuff. Yeah, just the weirdest colors, shit. Especially like the Alpine stars last year's uh, dirt jerseys and dirt colors. I mm-hmm. had a lot of those kind of like teal and orange throwback colors in them. Uh, and I have a set, man, I found like the most amazing leather. They look like snow pants where they're like leather pants with a bib. Um, but they're, oh yeah. They're like pastel blue leather. Crazy. I think I got them for about six dollars in Ohio. So I had to, yeah. So like, if I if you ever see me on a vintage anything and I look like I'm pretending to race, I'll probably be wearing those. Nice, nice. I mean, they did have like there was some '80s sport bikes that had that those color combos. Um, What is uh, speaking of motorcycles? What what do you think is the best motorcycle meme? Um. Hmm. Uh, my, I want to say, okay, that one that's uh, by Boggy Town USA, where it's like the two separate groups of riders, and the men are like, "We're gonna ride to the death," and then the women are like, uh, "I don't know, not that." Pretty. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I feel like everyone, <laughs> no. you know, uh, like, yeah. we're all gonna look out and care for each other, and like, and no one's gonna die today, and like, the men are always right. just like, "We're gonna ride to the death," and there's like, oh, yeah. God. Um, that's, that's it. I'm doing a poor job explaining it, but, uh, no, it's good. I'll look it up. There's, I haven't hit the end of the internet yet. Believe me. I thought I did one day when it said you've reached the end of Instagram. I think I just lost internet connection for a second. Oh yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I'll check it out. Um, my, mine's an old school one. It's the one where the dude's like doing the wheelie and then the bike comes out from underneath him. And as he's falling, he puts out his hand and it turns into that like 
dance song where the, it's like the space all of a sudden and he's like flying through space. <laughs> I like that. One. I have no idea what that is. Oh shit. Yeah. It's an oldie. It's like an oldie, but a goodie. Okay. Um, what's your favorite type of pie? Mm, gosh. Um, pecan pie. Shit. I love pecan pie. I had a feeling you were going to say cable knit too, sweater for some reason. I don't know why. I just had a feeling mm. you, you, you hit me over the head with that Monte Cristo though. Okay. That I was not expecting yeah. that. Uh, from Chicago. Yeah. Those things. It's kind of sick. Yeah. <laughs> um, since moving to California, what's your favorite ocean animal? Um, I love sea otters, not in a way where I secretly want to own one. Um, but also my favorite place to ride to is Morro Bay and they're always mm. floating out in the bay there. So it's like my favorite yeah. little, yeah. Cause everything else in the ocean scares the shit out of me. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Mm. My favorite animal, a great white shark. Um, it is cute to go out there and see them sitting in the, um, the kelp and they'll wrap it around them so they don't float off. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So they, they sleep like that. It's pretty cool. Perfect. Um, who, in your opinion, is the best actress? And she doesn't have to be um, from this country, just in in the world right now. The best actress. Best actress. I. That's probably going to be the hardest question on the list for me because I have such a hard time. Um, I don't know, giving a shit. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, listen. You're 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 sitting on your couch. You're drinking a canned wine, eating a Monte Cristo, staring at your poster of a sea otter, a movie comes on with bl- blank on it and you don't turn it off. Who Who is it that makes you want to watch um, the movie? Oh, what's that? Um, Jesus. Yeah. No, I don't even remember any actresses' names ever again. <laughs> I don't Perfect. know. Okay. Yeah. Hard pass. Yeah. Hard pass. Sorry. Damn. I skunked you with that one. That was crazy. Yeah. Um, Who's your, who's your favorite relative? My favorite relative, um, I think probably my grandma. I know it's like yeah. a sweet old lady answer, but also like I've never, I've learned so much from her. All right, uh, what name would you have chosen for yourself if your parents hadn't named you Kate? Ooh, um, that's a toughie. I mean, because I really do like Kate. I mean, I've had it my whole life, so maybe I'm just used to it. Um, I've had Junkie my whole life, and I'm, I wish I had another name. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. You know, listen, hey, hey, another hard pass on this one, because Kate with the C, pretty uncommon, and I, I like it. I really like it. It's almost like the Irish spelling of Kate, in a it way. Is. I mean, it is. Uh, my full name is Caitlin, but if you call me that, it's... Like, I'll just know that you either saw my Facebook, which I don't use, um, or I've emailed you only. Um, because I think when I right. email people, it'll it'll come across as like Caitlin. Uh, yeah. So so is the end part like L-I-H-N or something weird too at the end? No, uh, C-A-I-T-L-I-N. So very, okay, so very pretty, Irish. Yeah. Um, like my whole name's very Irish. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess my whole family is too. But... Um, it's not, it's, I feel like we're enough removed that it's like a throwback. Like our ancestors yeah. are Irish and we're definitely absolutely Midwestern Americans. Yeah. Oh yeah. That pretty much describes every oh, <laughs> American of course, immigrant. Of course. Um, um, yeah. We'll stick with Kate. That's good. That's a good one. I like, you know, oh, Kate's a good one, especially with the C. 
Um, how many pairs of coveralls do you own? Coveralls? Mm -hmm. You're from Chicago. Yeah, you know. They're kind of like overalls, but they have usually they usually have long sleeves on them. Oh, oh, so like like work coveralls. I think I Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I think I have maybe one pair. And they were it, they were like a men's size medium coveralls that I tailored down to fit me um, mm -hmm. for a Rosie the Riveter Halloween costume. <laughs> oh shit! Perfect. So I, I'm assuming they're blue. They and, are uh... blue. <laughs> um, but I think that's kind of it. I mean, man, like the one piece ski suit or snowmobile suit or something like that. I don't think I've had one of those since I was a kid. Um, and I love all of the like stellar, uh, Jenna makes some amazing coveralls, but I would be so scared to like get anything on them um, yeah. because they're these like super fun, bright colors. And I am a messy person and garage, <laughs> like I drop things all the time. I spill things all the time. Like I'm just so messy. Um, yeah. So I think if I, if I did have to like find like a pair of actual working coveralls, I'd probably have to go get like a Carhartt or. Uh, maybe dovetail if they make something like that. God damn. You, you know, you know, your coveralls. You know my coveralls. <laughs> yeah, you do. Um, and I'm not going to ask you how many of the, uh, like the ads from, um, God, what is that shop from? I swear it's like a Midwestern jobber that everybody gets around this time of year. They get the ads for it. God damn it. Uh, do, do coin? No, damn it. I can't remember it. I'll, I'll remember it after we stop recording. Um, oh, Duluth. Duluth Trading Company. Yeah. Like how many? Yeah. Um. <laughs> um, so what is the best? This, these are these are some uh, ones that are not on the list, but I have to ask you now because you seem like an expert in, in this uh, affair. What is the uh, best brand of canned wine? Ooh. Um, man. There were a couple really good ones up in, I want to say Michigan, that were like craft, local. Man, I can't remember for the life of me. Um, I want to say, gosh, I don't know. I feel like I can see the labels like in my mind, but I can't remember what the fuck they were. Because I would just, I'd go in. It was like, that good? It was that good? <laughs> Blake's Hard Cider had like a rosé or something like that, um, which I'm I'm super obsessed with Blake's, Blake's Hard Cider, but they don't ship to California. So I've been emailing them like once a week. Like, Dude, are you kidding me? The the grape competition out here, the wineries, they would they will not let other wine ship here. Are you crazy? Mm -hmm. No, they, yeah. I mean they mostly make cider, but they had a rosé cider, and it, I was just nuts over it. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I feel like some of the just the local ones, and I would specifically search those out. You know, I'd go to the grocery store and look at like the craft beer, cider, wine section, um, and try and find something local that I probably couldn't find. You know, in California or any big box like target or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Hey, they even ship yingling out here, I think now. So you, it's getting, uh, California's getting open to, to the Midwestern. They stuff. Are. Um, what is your favorite piece of gear? And we didn't talk about gear. I'd love to have you back on the show so you could tell us, you know, what it takes to do a cross country trip at some point. But, um, what's your favorite piece of gear that you have? My favorite piece. I mean, I want to say, gosh, I, I don't think I've gone on a trip without a Revit jacket. Um, I have maybe six or seven of them at this point. 
Um, some I like, I actually totaled my bike in a Revit jacket and it worked so well to protect me that I immediately bought the same jacket again. Um, nice. so I think that would probably be it because there's just yeah. something about like, you know, like jeans, you can take them or leave them. Sometimes they work better than others. Depends on the weather, but my jacket, the second I have that on, like, I just feel so confident. Um, yeah. So I want to say that's right. Yeah. Do you wear, um, do you wear like uh, riding jeans every time you ride? Uh, depends on where I'm going. If I'm only go- like I, right. I work about a mile and a half from my house, so I don't typically wear like full riding gear when I'm just going to work, like on the TW or something, because it's um, man, there's like 45 stop signs in between here and there, and I don't get very fast. But uh, right, if I'm getting on the highway at all, I do fully wear um, like top to toe everything that I could possibly wear. Um, I think. Right. My jeans that I've been wearing this past year have been at wild. Um, they just kind of nailed it for the fit. Um, and they, I mean, it's the kind where like I can wear them into salon and someone's like, wow, those looks like really nice expensive jeans. And I'm like, they are, but not for the reason you think they're going to be. Um, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Um, but even, I mean, I've phased out all of my like fashion boots and shoes uh, and I only wear riding boots. Um, and TCX happens to make ones that look like normal boots. Um, mm-hmm. and so like I can wear those all day long and know that, you know, getting on the bike, I'm still protecting myself. Um, right. So that's this wasn't the, this wasn't the question, but it's a nice tangent. Yeah. And I have TCX, um, riding shoes that most riding shoes to me just feel like glorified high tops, but these actually feel like, Hey, if I were to crash, they would do unless I got smashed or my feet got ran over. They're going to do a pretty good job, and they and they're comfy to stand in all day. Even if your feet get run over, I want to say it's like four hundred and fifty pounds of crush resistance, and they're CE rated. Like they're, it's crazy. Um, I feel like every time I like get in conversations about boots, I'll you know kind of usually point out what I'm wearing and then the actual ratings on the things that I'm wearing, and they don't look the part. And I think that's why they kind of shine a little bit is because it, they, yeah, they look like boots, but they don't look like, um, adventure boots or dirt bike boots. And I feel like it's a little bit more of that or the Harley boots that have all the buckles and bells and whistles on them, but do absolutely nothing for protection. Right. Yeah. Jack shit. I'm going to have my neighbor run over after we're done recording. I'm going to have him run over my feet and see if it yeah, hurts. You let me know so. how that goes. We'll see. I'll email you pictures. <laughs> um, so, um, my next question was that like that gear question was a side tangent. That wasn't one of the actual questions. My actual, one of my questions is what do you do when you are miles from nowhere, you're overlanding and you have to use the bathroom. How do you prepare for that? Um, always bring toilet paper. <laughs> okay. Always. I mean, there's, I mean, just in general, you should probably have that on you because even if, I mean, shit, when I was riding through some of the fires and stuff, like the smoke was so bad, my eyes were watering, my nose is running and just having something to like, you know, clear all that up is, is great. But I mean, if I'm out in the middle of nowhere, uh, depends on how populated the road is. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Okay. There you go. I was going to say like, you know, uh, this week or uh, week or whatever, last weekend, whenever you're out riding in the uh, the wilds of Nevada, um, yeah, when when nature calls, like you guys are out away from people, yeah, right? And that was like I I usually um on that trip and usually in the colder months, I'll, I'll wear leggings underneath uh, my gear, and so in the little like key pocket of your leggings, I like tuck a whole bunch of toilet paper or 
cuckoos or something in there. Um, yeah. There was a point where smart. I kind of stopped short, you know, on this trail and everyone stopped because I was like the second person, also the beginner on the ride. And I looked at them and I looked at like my friend, Emily, closest to me. And I was like, hey, I have to pee. And she's like, oh, OK, but st- like stayed there for a second. And so the guys came over and they're like, what's wrong? And I was like, can you guys fucking leave? Like, I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> they were all in a, they all had little um, helmet communication, con- communication things like Senna's. Um, yeah. Not Senna's, but I like Senna's. So Senna. <laughs> um, yeah. So I couldn't communicate that. I was trying to like sign language, like the letter P. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, we're recording on Senna stuff right now. It's great, oh, actually. Great company. Awesome. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> usually when, well, babes right out uh, the last couple times that happened, I've like worked for Senna and like helped people like learn about it and installed it in their helmets. And so I'm, I love con- like connecting people that way. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, it was not helpful when I was like, hey, I got to pee. And it, we're just in the middle of an open field. And yeah. in a valley in Nevada, and they were just like, okay, and like took off in one direction. And I just kind of like looked around and was like, well, no one else. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guess what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, last question I have, and I was going to say maybe you could have got the girls to like do a wagon train around you, but I guess if, the, if everyone's gone, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, I'm not yeah. that shy. I just let yeah. you guys get a two minute head start and then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, Last question is, what are you most looking forward to uh, in 2021? The fucking end of 2020 for sure. What are you most looking forward to in 2021? Um, I am the the only thing on my list that I'll probably plan my entire year around is I want to ride to Alaska. Gotcha. Uh, bear mace. Get some bear mace and a gun. Well, uh, bear mace is illegal in Canada. <laughs> Right. So I think I'm going to, I don't know. I'm probably not going to do anything. Um, uh, uh, listen, I'll tell you what you do. I'll tell you what you do. You, you get the pet bear because then he can fight the other bears or <laughs> you, yeah. Okay. You carry a, sh- a shit ton of fish because if a bear comes up, he, they want food. They don't want you. They want food. And you throw the fish and then you haul ass and they're going to, they're going to uh, stay for the fish. That's what, yeah, I was told that a friend of mine, Dan has done the trip up to Alaska. I forget if he like trailered up and rode back or whatnot, but he's like, you know, telling me about it. Yeah. He's like, Kate, I know you want to camp. I know you want to go out and do this wild woman thing. Um, but, and on the coast, you're going to be okay because those bears have all the fish on the coast Hell yeah. get inland and those bears don't have any fish and they're hungry and you're the fish. Uh, Right. And you probably shouldn't be camping inland. And I'm just like, you make so much sense. Like, yep. thank you. Um, and that conversation was only about a month and a half ago. So I guess I'm, I'm altering plans. But um, the whole premise is to kind of do that trip, obviously not on an adventure bike. Um, and, you know, it's definitely we're going to take some other things into consideration. Um, definitely taking a hard look at uh, emergency services and what a helicopter would cost you know, if something happened to some of us out there, but, uh, yeah, what we're kind of aiming for is to kind of, is to do that trip on bikes that aren't typically made for that trip. Uh, are you guys going to go on Honda monkeys? Not Honda monkeys. We're not Zach and Ari. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, as cute as that was, they still had a full production team. So, you know, some shit happened. We're not going to do that. We're, we're not really we're doing it for the glory, not for the, you know, publicity. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, that's on my list. I've got maybe 45 out of 50 states 
left or that I've written in, um, I'd really like to check that off. I have a whole lot of free time coming up, you know, because the world's mostly still shut down, but, um, yeah, uh, yeah, I think, um, I'm not quite sure what my friend Leslie's going to write. She'd like to, she'd like to, you know, ride with me. Um, we're going to try and get like me at least four, um, to go up there because splitting a hotel room four ways just makes sense. Um, and that's kind of what we'll end up doing, you know, obviously, f- uh, foregoing the camping gear to be able to pack a little bit more on the tools and like emergency supplies side, um, and kind of hotel it all the way up. Um, but I'm not sure if she's going to yeah. take her Speedmaster or her T1, T100. Mm-hmm. She's a triumph girl. Yeah. Oh, is she a triumph girl? Um, but I mean, again, not a bike made for that, but with her and she's, she's actually a very competent mechanic. Um, so I have absolutely no, no reservations when it comes to, if something breaks down, we're going to be able to fix it. Um, so that's a great reassurance. Um, but yeah, I think it's not, it's not what bike you ride. It's how you ride it. Um, and we're probably going to try and test that to the limit. Hell Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. That is so awesome. Well, hey, I, I definitely want to have you back on the show before that. And and uh, but when you if if we don't get the chance to, when you get ready to do that, let me know. And I'd love to check in with you. And then maybe uh, we can check in with you um, a couple times during if you guys are uh, you know got service and and are doing well. So that'd be that's epic. That's awesome. I love the fact that you um, you're go go go. You are quite the character. I've had a, I've had a blast talking and, uh, I hope, I hope it's been, um, hope it's been mutual. And anytime you want to come back on the show, this robot, he's kind of an asshole. I didn't want to say it too loud cause he's kind of dangerous <laughs> too when he gets in a mood. But, um, but yeah, it's, it, it's fun to talk to another human and, and I haven't really been able to, um, do that much interacting all year. Definitely with the moto shows being down and, and most of the events being canceled, I haven't seen most of my, um, motorcycle industry friends, right? And so, yeah, this year has been shitty. So thank you for coming on and talking. You've been um, definitely uh, a bright spot and a kind of a dim year, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I just appreciate you having me on and asking all sorts of questions that aren't the same old questions that everybody... Right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of it. Especially when you're like, hey, um, can you come on this thing? Let's talk about quilting. And I was like, fuck yes. Of course I'll yes. talk about quilting. <laughs> Fuck motorcycles. It's this quilting shit. These, these little star patterns that I'm after. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> well, thank you, Kate, for hanging out and um, spending, wasting some of your valuable time. You could have been, you could have had a half of a quilt done by now, oh, but I thanks for hanging that. out with us. Yeah. Yakking motorcycles. The night, is, and, um, the night is still young. I still have plenty of time to uh, stitch. So, sweet. Yeah, they're they're coming to put me back in my cell. So I, I they put me in the barometric uh, chamber every night so that I, I don't uh, mummify. But um, yeah, I've had a blast, and I definitely will be checking back in. Um, if I, I'm going to try and put the show out tonight, so if you get a chance, go check out her uh, Instagram. Check out this uh, raffle. You you yourself could win uh, possibly this quilt that she's sticking up. So um, yeah, go for it. And Kate. Take it easy, and uh, I'll talk to you later. Definitely. Thank you so much. All right. That is our show, everybody. And thank you so much, Kate, for coming on this week. Um, I'm going to try and get this out. If you want to go uh, win her uh, glorious quilt and a raffle, check out her Instagram. It's Kate made that C. A-I-T-M-A-D-E-T-H-A-T. Kate made that. Um, And yeah, check out all the fun stuff that she's up to. Um, 
I thank everybody also who has been participating in, participating in our little uh, weekly questionnaires. You know, what would you, uh, how would you describe this podcast to your mom? What would this podcast smell like? You know, how would you describe it to a tourist? Uh, all these fun little things that we're we're having these little interactions. Thanks so much for uh, giving us your feedback on that. It's uh, hopefully going to help us next year when we're deciding how to market this to tourists and what it smells like (laughs) so in the meantime um, we are having a secret santa on patreon so if you're a patreon supporter um, just let me know that you're interested in being a a secret santa and also um, if you are not a patreon supporter but you want to be and you want to get on the secret santa jazz go over uh, to patreon.com forward slash creative writing and sign up or else uh, get the hell out of Dodge. What are you, what are you talking about? Who's, who's your barber? Um, everybody have a great weekend. Get out there and ride. Do something fun. Um, do it safe. Do it sound. Uh, but get those dirty wheels on the ground. All right. Peace. Grease. And don't run over uh, a flock of geese. All right. Bye.